This is the MLW Radio Network. Time to start your day the right way with front row material. Starring ECW legend Jerry Lynn and Mikey Whitbrick. Now, let's welcome your host, Mike Freak. Welcome to another edition of Front Row Material and Future Stars Now. I am Mike Freeland. I am joined, as always, by my dear personal longtime friend. His name is... The Rit. Rit, it's good to see you, my friend. How you been? Uh, not bad. I can't really complain. It's been a, been a very tiring week. But uh, here we are, back at it. Tuesday night, 8 it. Yeah, I was going to say 8 a.m. Good Lord. <laughs> no, no. This isn't pre-recorded. It's, it's 8 p.m. and we're on Future Stars now. And, man, we got one hell of a guest that is going to compete with my collection tonight, as I see. He yeah. is he's an amazing uh, wrestler, an amazing deathmatch competitor, and I can't wait for this one. Yeah, I'm excited about this as well. I mean, it's, it's not often we get to dip our toes into this type of genre with wrestling, but I feel like it's becoming a lot more popular recently and i'm excited can't wait to ask a ton of questions about this and uh it's it's gonna be a wild ride so let's let's have some fun so so what you're saying is i should apologize to him before we even start uh, you might just want to have one in the back of your mind just just ready to go just in case okay but, uh, hey but you know what here's the beauty we get to be a part of a deathmatch uh interview but we don't have any light tubes uh, slammed on us how does that feel hey I could probably have Meg spine a couple for you. You don't need to start that. You don't need to start that. Trust me, she could find any weapon in this place and turn it into a death match. And trust me, I've been on the, the receiving end of what could be described loosely as a death match in our house, depending on what it is that I did or didn't do. Okay. Well, let's uh, without further ado, let's bring in Mr. Alex Cologne. <laughs> What's going on, guys? Oh man, we're excited. How you doing tonight, Alex? Uh, I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, just got done the shoot, so I'm here hanging out, and I'm uh, glad to be on with you guys. So I, I'm Rit, and I were talking about this. I mean, obviously, looking at your studio right there, holy, yeah. holy cow! Only half of it. <laughs> that, that is a wide variety of collectibles, and how long have you been doing this collecting? maybe a year i had a couple friends in the wrestling community really get me into it and uh it's just gotten out of control <laughs> i can't stop it's bad it's it's literally bad so in the last year obviously you've been collecting what would you yeah. say was the very first thing that you picked up off the shelf Ooh. and said this is the beginning and the significant other said this is the beginning yeah i don't know now, now you're asking me a question. I'm not even, I don't even know. I have so much. It's crazy. Hey, I don't, I, I wish I had a really good answer for you guys, but I literally have so much stuff in here. Like, I don't even know how I would uh, go about that. Man, if you think, if you think that's a hard question, you wait to the closer. Yeah. Yeah. I have so much stuff in here. Um, I wanted, I can't really point out one thing. Uh, I have a bunch of elites and stuff, so I didn't start too, too long ago. Um, I could give you one of my favorite things in here, honestly, right now, if, if that makes for consolation. But sure, uh, 
I have a Hulk Hogan, but this isn't an authentic Hulk Hogan. This is a uh, one from Mexico. It's a bootleg that I got on on the streets of Mexico uh, when I did a little tour of Mexico not too long ago. Um, they had some really big flea market. It was like a whole block was a flea market, and um, I seen this just sitting in the back, uh, in the back of a bunch of crap. And I was like, oh. So I started asking the guy, like, oh, how much? You know, obviously I know a little bit of Spanish. I was like, cuánto, cuánto eso? And then he let me know it was like ten American dollars. I was like, yup. I already wow. knew. I was like, man, this thing is crazy. It's like they make bootleg figures like wild in Mexico. And and believe it or not, Alex, bootlegs actually have their own genre of collecting. So mm-hmm. it it is really very very uh, authentic, and it's very exciting to be able to find some of these because depending on where you are in the world, those things are just as valuable, if not more, than the authentic ones because they're so rare. You can't really find them all the places. Agreed. You're right. And, and they're Jer- like one of a kinds, you know. And, and didn't Jerry say he who was it, psychosis or whom to he used to pay him the the good when he went down to Mexico to get his boots because they're they're better quality and cheaper made? Yeah, there's I material. Think- uh, I'm sorry to cut you off, Mike, but there's materials in uh Mexico that you can't get in the states, so that's why a lot of guys get their stuff done in Mexico because there's a bunch of different styles of materials and stuff that they use over there. And for a lo- obviously the cost is really low compared to the U S um, there's stuff over there that we can't get over here. It's, it's nuts. Yeah. I think it was um, now that I'm thinking about it here, I think it was super crazy. Um, yeah. Super crazy would go down there and he would actually take orders from people. And uh, obviously he and Jerry became good friends and he was like, Hey man, he goes, what are you paying for your gear? And I think Jerry told him whatever it was. And he goes, no, 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 no. You're overpaying. He said, all right, well, next time you go down, he said, you know, I'll give you X amount of money and what can you get? And I think he said he got, Jerry said he got two pairs of boots. He said, and they were so well-made. He goes, I wore them for the majority of my end of my WWF run and into my TNA run. And he goes, it was great. I loved them. That's awesome. So, I mean, obviously, uh, talking about your collection of action figures, you're a, you're a very interesting individual. I mean, very well-spoken, great collector of wrestling figures. Um, when it came to wrestling, what was it about wrestling that really started to pique your interest? Like, you know, why, why pro wrestling at the end of the day? What was it that really made you say, you know what, this could be something I could see myself doing? Uh, probably the characters, um, some of my earliest memories of wrestling, um, as a child, I was, I was, I come from a a poor family. At least they were poor at the time. Um, my, me, my mother and my stepfather lived with, with a a friend of theirs or whatnot. We were in hard times at that point in life. It was very small. And, um, on Saturday, Saturday afternoons, as you guys were, if you guys would remember on Fox TV, at least in the East coast, Fox TV at 12 o'clock would be WWF superstars. So I would I would watch morning cartoons and then uh, at twelve o'clock uh, superstars would start and that's when I would uh, catch a lot of wrestling. That was during the new generation. So the characters were a big draw in and even I saw some stuff even before then like Hogan and Warrior. But like the new generation is really when I got into wrestling, and um, that's kind of what drew me in. You know, I call myself having to watch it in this little black and white TV with an antenna, and all the boomers are looking at me like, "Oh, look at this old man." <laughs> black and white with the antenna but yeah that's how i literally caught wrestling and uh it just caught my eye and it stayed with me for a long time 
you know, uh, all through my adolescence. Uh, when I got into high school, like, just like everybody else, you kind of get out of it a little bit because you're into sports and girls and whatnot. But uh, a little bit afterwards, uh, going towards the end of high school, I got right back into it. And it was almost like it never left me. Who would you say was somebody who, I mean, you liked all the characters, but was there anybody yeah. who you gravitated towards uh, at that time? You thought, man, I really like if this person's on, I really got to catch it. Yeah. Uh, my favorite wrestler of all time, Bret Hart. Nice. <laughs> uh, one of my fondest memories is that commercial where uh, Bret's walking down the hallway and the little kid's like, Bret! And he turns around. Oh, my God. It just it brings back so many memories. But I'm a huge diehard Bret Hart fan, and um, I would avidly watch all his stuff and I would beg uh my mom at the time to to get the pay-per-view so I could watch oh uh Brett's in the Royal Rumble it's like 94 it's crazy like uh I was just really into it that bad where I would beg to watch these pay-per-views and at the time you would have to call the service provider yeah um yeah they would hook it up into your TV it was wild crazy times I mean outside of the black box but we won't talk about the illegal ways (laughs) (laughs) uh well speaking of illegal stuff ECW. When did you uh, first get a glimpse of ECW being on the East Coast? Uh, man, I actually caught glimpses a, a little bit of when they were Eastern because it was all on Channel 20 in Jersey. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm from South Jersey, so like it was very local to me. Um, and and I was like, oh, what's this? And I really didn't watch it too much because they were splitting time. I think with NWA or something would be on public access too, to some degree. I don't know if that was Dennis Corluzo or who it was, but they yeah. kind of split that time frame. And um, at some point, like I'm saying mid-90s, uh, I started catching it again. And that's when I seen like Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, Too Cold Scorpio, like all the wrestlers. And I was like, oh, this is this is awesome. But then they also had the hardcore stuff like Tommy Dreamer, Sandman, Raven. Um, and I got really into it for a while. And then I lost track of it. And then it came kind of back again in the late 90s for a little bit, but I really didn't get to watch really the full library until after they were already defunct. Uh, you know, when you're growing up and you're, you're uh, getting older, like you kind of fall out of love with certain things and, and maybe they come back and they go away for a while. So that's how it kind of was with ECW. ECW also was very different than probably what you were watching on WWF superstars. It was, it was more grungy. It was more, uh, underground, um, I've you've often used the phrase very fight club esque. It was stuff that you weren't really quite sure if you were supposed to be watching because it didn't really feel like what you were used to watching with pro wrestling. A lot of guys who who didn't quite look like pro wrestlers. They looked like a guy that could be working somewhere, you know, anywhere. And all of a sudden they get in there and they start mixing it up and it gets violent and bloody. Um, what would you say was that was the big draw as far as ECW goes? Because they had a great Lucha Libre in there before really anybody was really focusing on that. I think Paul did that really well. But then they had the great tag teams and then all these different unique people like Sabu and Sandman and all that. So who kind of stood out to you when it comes to the ECW crew? The ECW crew, uh, I think Sabu to me was the number one guy that stood out to me, especially when I first started watching. Um, and Sabu was really like people were – just talking about him like who's this who's this crazy dude with these glittery pants and like he has scars <laughs> everywhere and it, it i was into it and then he's doing moonsaults on table tables for no reason just just doing it i was like yo 
this guy's off the hook. I need to watch this as much as possible. And the sad part is ECW didn't come on until like 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning. And yep. a lot of times on Fridays. So, like, I'd go through the school week and I'd tr- do my best to stay up until 1 in the morning hoping to, to get uh, uh, ECW or a rerun. Like, so I could watch some of these obscure dudes. And, and I wasn't... I wasn't shy of the the scene because I knew who guys like uh, Surfer Ray Odyssey, a lot of the uh, the crew from like Taz's uh, Taz's group of guys, like Johnny Rods, the Johnny Rod School guys, because they all traveled through South Jersey and North Jersey. So any every now and then I would see posters for these guys in, in different towns in South Jersey because there's independent shows running everywhere. So I wasn't it wasn't like I didn't know who certain people were, but like the ECW crew is just like a whole nother breed of people. And like, yeah, Sabu was just one of the guys that really stood out to me. And I think he influenced a lot of people, not just me. So eh. so what made you decide, hey, you know, I want to try this? Uh I I had it was like towards the end of high school. Um, me and one of my friends, we were real tight, and he he ended up uh him and one of his closer friends got into backyard wrestling. That's odd because I'm late in high school. So that's kind of like usually that's stuff that you do earlier in your uh, grade school and adolescence. Um, and we all linked up and they just really got me into it. I think it was just, just a culmination of your friends and you want to do stupid stuff. You don't have anything else to do. And I'm kind of from a smaller town. Uh, so we didn't have much to do, but just go into his backyard and, and try to beat each other up. And everybody there was huge wrestling fans. I was, I was a huge wrestling fan as well, you know, so um, we did, it just kind of gelled and uh, it just spiraled. And then we met a whole nother crew of guys. They got a hold of a wrestling ring and it just continued to just ante up, ante up. And then that's when the whole dynamic of uh, one of our friends worked with uh, Lobo from CZW mm-hmm. fame. And um, he came to one of our backyard shows. The next thing you know, oh, CCW is opening up a school again. Uh, you guys should come. I'll talk to Zandig about you guys, and you guys should be the first new class in, and he'll train wow. you guys. And then that it kind of spiraled. It was crazy. It went real fast, real fast too. That's your story is really interesting because you know we've talked to so many people on the show, and backyard wrestling I guess was more popular than I actually gave it credit for because a lot of people said that they did that. Uh, either they had a makeshift ring or they started holding shows uh, in the backyards and whatnot. And that's where they knew somebody who knew somebody. And eventually, you know, word gets around that you're interested and then you get introduced to somebody. So CZW, in my opinion, was obviously the company that kind of carried the torch after ECW ended. They were more of the the real rough and tough and guys that would take a lot of risks that a lot of other people wouldn't do, which turned out to make for amazing matches. Um, you mentioned John Zandig. What was your relationship with John the first time you met him? Uh, John's a very uh, keep to himself type of person. It wasn't really much of a, relation, of a relationship other than, you know, him just talking to us and kind of like um, grooming to bring us in like hey guys like this is czw you know uh you guys come uh, obviously he tried to play more of a, of a father figure but from a distance it's like he's there he's the boss you know he's the guy who's gonna help us get in you know and he gave us a lot of opportunities but like he wasn't really as like close to us as guys like maybe our our trainers like john Dahmer and dj hyde and then we had tons of like ruckus uh, you know, uh, Black G's who was Sabian at the time and Joker, a lot of those local like Philly guys, 
were there. And what a lot of people don't know is like when I first started training, uh, I started training with Tommy Cairo and um, a guy by the name of White Lotus. And then kind of when CCW finally really started, that's when I kind of flipped over. So people don't know that I had a lot of older school style of training before I got into CCW, at least a couple months of it. Yeah, CZW, like you had a great career there at CZW. Like, I'm just, I was just looking at, at the tournament you won, uh, mm -hmm. best of the best 12 in 2013. Yeah. That, like, if you look at that tournament, like, that's some of the great who's who's of now. You know, you had Jonathan Gresham, mm -hmm. Alex Reynolds, Rich Swan, AR Fox, Tommy End, and you of course, yourself was in there. It's like, man, like, if you were to get that tournament now, like that's a that's a paper we do caliber right there. Yeah, but that's a seventy dollar people would pay to see that right there. It's a it's a TV. It's a TV pay per view. You're absolutely right. Isn't it? Man, what did I do with my life, guys? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I apologize. You're here uh, getting interviewed by us. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, we uh, we we don't really uh, answer a whole lot of questions. I mean, we get a lot of them when we're out and about. But yeah. um, so it's so exciting to hear about this because when you say John Zanding, and I think there's always a lot of question marks around him because, like you said before, not exactly the person who jumps out when it comes to memorable quotes or somebody that you've heard a lot of things from. And you also mentioned DJ Hyde as well. So obviously we know DJ Hyde then went ahead and he branched off and he kind of did his thing as well. What was it like working with and getting to talk to DJ Hyde at that time as well? Uh, at the time he was, he was a real, like he really um did, uh, did his best, I guess, to help us. You know, I always felt like, and this is my personal opinion. I always felt like he had his, he had his doubts here and there because I guess uh, being a, a, a father figure of sorts, um, he didn't, he didn't always want to let the leash too, let go like too long. You know what I mean? If that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, but he gave us as many opportunities as he possibly could, at least at, when he was the boss, even when he wasn't the boss, he was always kind of like pitching for us to do stuff, you know, and it did nothing but, but help guys like me and Joe Gacy, Adam Cole, guys who were really there trying to grind and get somewhere. Um, that was kind of his role. Like he was a head trainer. He was one of the head trainers. Um, and you know, I have, I will always have respect for DJ. It's like, I wish he would have like, let the leash go a little bit, but like role wise, like he was almost, he was a little bit more of a fatherly guy, uh, more so than Zandig, but you know, like he had his ups and his negatives and positives or whatnot. So I, I can't really comment too, too much about it. So I want to say it is somewhere in Pennsylvania where they have that crazy, insane, Death match. Uh, where exactly is that at? That's, it's it's like in a big field. That's, that's oh, Maryland. Uh, Delaware. Maryland. Delaware. 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 Okay. Yeah. So I watched a documentary on that, and there are legitimate, dedicated fans that, I mean, it's almost like their version of, um, oh my gosh, I'm trying to think of here, Woodstock in a way. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they come from all over the East Coast and in some places, even even in the Midwest, to come and see something like this. So when it when there's a vibe for a feel like that for an event, what was your thoughts originally when you heard the concept of that? Well, when the, the original uh, concept, I actually uh, I didn't say I watched it, but 
at, at one point CCW had fake UTV, which was their kind of hard ECW hardcore TV, which would play on uh, public access. So when ECW faded away, CCW kind of came into that time slot. And uh, I, I just randomly like clicking through the channels, fell into it. And um, that's where I seen like uh, best of the best was one of the first uh, commercially things I seen. They, they did these little commercials in between, in between their segments and a tournament of death was one. So then somehow I got a hold of tournament of death and that's where I like first seen the whole tournament of death concept. And then eventually it evolved to where they started running in Delaware for the most part. So that's kind of how, uh, how I stumbled upon that whole thing. I don't know too, too much about it, about the origins and stuff of it, but, uh, you know, it was a John Zandig branded idea and, uh, it was just bringing a big deathmatch tournament into the States because uh, the States had the, you, Ian Rotten had his thing going on in the Midwest, but at, when it came to East coast and it came to like a more violent style, like nothing was really out this way in, in the East coast. Um, in terms of that. So like tournament of death was kind of really the first of its own. Did any of that kind of make you take a step back and say, it's might be a little too extreme or did you feel like, no, even though it kind of has that appearance, everything is very much under control at all times. No. Uh, the, the fact that it was out of control was what drew people like me to it, because I don't know if that's just what the generation of the late nineties was into. But like, you know, alternative music, you know, people are dressing in black. They're, people are just doing wild things. You know, drugs are rampant in a, a young social community. Um, and that's just the kind of thing that that I, at least I was into. My friends were into. We wanted something other than what we seen on TV, which was which was little kid characters and just hokey stuff like, ah, come on, this is. This doesn't it doesn't resonate with a teenage crowd. What resonates with a teenage crowd is obscure things like like guys hitting each other with light bulbs. It's just, it's the shock factor probably that really drew me and a lot of other teenagers at the time in. So during your training here, um, yeah. at what point, just to kind of educate me, at what point does the the more extreme and deathmatch stuff start to come into the equation? Is it more of standard wrestling school? And then at the very end, they say, hey, this is what we this is what our moniker is. This is what we're known. Or do they weave that into the, the training regiment as well? Is there any introduction of that? There, there really is no intro introduction. Deathmatch wrestling is, as I tell people, it's something that you get into and you learn along the way. Like you don't, you're never really told there's a certain way to do things until you wrestle somebody who kind of has an idea of what to do. And they, they kind of lead you along and it, you know, it falls under like old school type of training where like, you know, guys in the Midwest, guys like, let's say, Legion of Doom, they, they had a basic style of training uh, from Eddie Sharkey. And then, like, as long as they would go along the way and they would work territories. And then people who were older, who were more in the business, the veterans, would teach them more stuff. So same thing with deathmatch wrestling. Like, you get, you know, your basic wrestling stuff, you get in, and uh, it's trial by fire. You learn, you learn by your errors, and then people will teach you a couple things, and then you just collect all that data until like it becomes a part of your whole repertoire. It's, it was never a thing in, in wrestling school. Like CZW didn't bring me and said, Hey, Hey, this is what deathmatch wrestling is. They brought me in and said, Hey, we're going to teach you how to wrestle. We're not going to teach you how to deathmatch. That's something you have to decide to do if that's what you want to do at some point, And you'll learn it along the way. It's not something we teach you here. Speaking of what you kind of mentioned before about, you know, you start to pick up little nuggets of 
information here and there from people as you continue to travel and you continue to hone your craft. Who were some early uh, influential people that you got a chance to talk to and they said, hey, man, you know, try this or do that or I like what you're doing, but you might want to dabble in doing this or this is how you could do this a little bit better. Who in the deathmatch world um, per se took you under their wing? Uh, guys like the Naptown Dragons. There's a, a guy by the name of Brain Damage. Unfortunately, he passed away years ago. Um, he was a, a real big influence, a very nice guy. Um, you know, would always give us the best advice possible. Just keep your head down, keep working, you know, keep grinding, pay your dues. Um, you know, and we'd always have like the older school guys would come in. You'd see maybe a Sabu or, or a Spike Dudley on one of the shows just randomly. And they'd you'd ask them for advice and they'd give you the best advice possible. Uh, deathmatch wise, like a lot of people kind of kept to themselves, uh, as a younger crew, we were, we were like more so supposed, supposed to be, or we were more so geared to focus on, uh, the wrestling aspect more than the deathmatch aspect. But, you know, uh, a bunch of those guys did their best to give us any little knowledge they could, but at the very beginning, it was primarily, uh, just wrestling data more so than deathmatch data, deathmatch stuff, at least for me came way later on when I already, uh, you know, spent many years as just a professional wrestler solely. When you were, we were training, did you guys ever, did they ever have the students go to shows as well or uh, observe or help out or how did that all work out? Yeah. Um, so, so we were basically the, the cleanup crew. We were the setup crew. So we would be the guys sweeping up and mopping up the glass and blood, uh, we'd be helping pick up people, you know, the common pay or do set up the ring, tear down the ring. We'd be there for the big, like cage of death shows. We'd be there till, till all hours of the day. Like I remember times where we were there till four in the morning and then go home, come back for, for the show the next day, like midday, 12 o'clock. Um, and then obviously stay for cleanup cause you have to set up and then to tear down. Um, so we did, we did basically everything we were asked to everything that a normal young boy in the business does is, uh, and just on top of that with the ultraviolet stuff is, is cleaning up uh, all the mess that is left afterwards. And it's usually a pretty big mess to clean up. As you were training and, and seeing some of this, um, do you have any memories that stand out as you were uh, watching some of these things like, oh, my God, I can't believe they just did this or I can't believe he just got hurt this way. Anything that kind of like, you know, stands out in your mind is. Uh, a holy shit moment, not to steal a catchphrase, but. <laughs> uh, I, I've seen a lot of those. Um, I recall one time uh, John Zandig sending Joker off the top of one of the cage of deaths. He gorilla pressed him and uh, sent him off onto a table that was like in full fire, full, fully engulfed in flames. And um, for whatever reason, I was like, oh, I just can't believe people do that. Um, I think I was at the one show where Nick Gage literally died for uh, eight seconds, which was the craziest thing ever because no one really knew what was going on. And then you see this helicopter coming off to airlift them away. Uh, and then later on, we came to find out that he literally died and came back to life. Uh, very crazy things. But I think I've seen so much stuff throughout the 15 years I've been wrestling, at least from a deathmatch perspective, that it's so hard to really pick out one moment because – I see a crazy moment every month of the year. Was there ever a point in time, and, and there may have been, you might not have publicly said it to anybody else, but in your own mind said to yourself, um, I'm having second thoughts. Maybe I need to do more of the traditional stuff that I saw with the WWF type of guys. Uh, all the time. 
because uh, being a deathmatch wrestler, or at least being labeled a deathmatch wrestler, because I'll consider myself that because that's what I'm primarily doing right now. That's what I do from a weekly to weekly basis. Um, I won't say unfortunately, sometimes I do. Uh, you know, as a deathmatch wrestler, you tend to struggle because you you uh you come into the business to be a professional wrestler and you kind of lean towards this style because you just gravitate towards it. And, it, and then for me, it just it fit me. And uh, it's kind of I guess it's kind of the X factor that a lot of promoters would say, hey, Alex, we know you can wrestle, but you're missing. There's something missing. There's an X factor missing. And then when I started doing death matches, for whatever reason, a lot of things started clicking, like character wise, uh, just being more aggressive and and learning a different side of me. Uh, I guess it gravitated towards fans and then uh, promoters and bookers, obviously, like hopped on the bandwagon. We're like, yeah, this is who you are. So I, I kind of figured I guess that was my X factor. So, um, you know, uh, I, I struggle all the time because I come from 10 years of just straight professional wrestling. And then the last five to six years or five going into six have been solely primarily uh, death matches. So it's always a struggle because a part of me wants to be more than what I am. But in deathmatch wrestling, a lot of people say, oh, there's there's no ceiling. There is a ceiling like because the style we do isn't isn't geared to appeal towards a TV crowd per se. It's, it's more so like how ECW in the nineties was geared towards indie wrestling crowds, like the, a very niche sector. So it's just a, it's a battle, at least personally for me that I go through even to this day. Well, in the past five or six years in deathmatch wrestling, you have had some phenomenal matches. Uh, in GCW, you are the only person to win the tournament of survival not just three times but three consecutive years yeah like that has to be a great accomplishment you know in 2019 your uh the finals was a four-way 2020 you went went up against uh ricky shane page and then 2021 you went up against atticus mm-hmm. so it's like it you're uh people like say this is your x factor but you do it and you do it well and you go and you bring it up to a different level, you know, every time you go out there. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's obviously what I do well. So I don't, I'll never deny, uh, you know, being a deathmatch wrestler cause it's what I do do well, but at least in my own personal opinion, at some point in life, I'd like for people to be like, he was a good professional wrestler, not just a deathmatch wrestler, that's great, but at least coming from my perspective, it's just about encompassing the whole uh, around thing, you know. But deathmatch wrestling is a big part of my life, and you know the fans love me for what I do, and I love the fans for loving me for what I do. Uh, especially coming out of the pandemic, uh, I would love to get your thoughts on uh, Matt Cordona, how he <laughs> how he helped, you know, get more eyes on. Deathmatch wrestling, and uh, I would love to get your thoughts on uh, on him. You know, dipping his toe in deathmatch wrestling and, and what he's uh, done to try to help out. You know, the indie product as a whole. Yeah, um, you know, uh, not too many people from a TV aspect even think about at least what we do. Um, it like like we we were saying, it's very niche. Uh, it's not it's not in the wheelhouse of anybody from more of a TV background. He's from more of a TV background. He was kind of bred and groomed into that style. You know, for him to come into a deathmatch style 
like it did bring a lot of eyes. Like he's a guy who has a lot of social media presence. Everyone knows him from his podcast, his little YouTube show. Um, you know, and he he has a big voice uh, in the wrestling community uh, amongst TV fans, indie fans, podcasting fans. So uh, that could only bring good. And granted, a lot of the a lot of the diehards in GCW hate Matt Cardona for uh, just being who he is. But they can't deny the fact that he really helped bring a whole new audience into the deathmatch genre because there's a lot of people who who watched guys like me on that same show where he wrestled Nick Gage and said, oh, who's this guy? This guy's awesome, you know, and mm-hmm. it brought a lot of new eyes to, to what I'm doing and to what other guys are doing. That's only a positive from here on out. It seems like we're getting a lot more people who are working in the deathmatch scene. I mean, obviously, we saw. You know, Nick Gage t- tends to be that guy that a lot of people put in there whenever they think of that. Um, Nick Gage versus David Arquette. And then obviously Nick Gage gets on AEW Dynamite in a big match with Chris Jericho. Obviously he was feuding with uh, Matt Cardona. Um, Suzuki is actually going to be going uh, into the yeah. death match. And he's going to... So it's really interesting now that you're seeing so many of these different people. Like like Ritz said before, they're bringing a lot of attention um, to this and they're bringing their name recognition and their fan base and they're you know kind of highlighting this and people are getting exposed even more to a genre that they might not have seen obviously they can see people like you and all the other kinds of people and they can say oh my gosh now I want to be a fan of this person it's what gets you in the door but it's what keeps you coming back is what you mm-hmm. see during the show yeah it, and it's it falls under when CCW first started after that whole the whole ECW era because it was hardcore. Then you go to this era that's ultra violence and um, it, there's a boom and that's what I feel like is going on right now. It's a big like resurgence for deathmatch wrestling. It's a big boom and a lot of people who don't even know what deathmatch wrestling is, they're finding it. Just like the people who found all those uh, FMW tapes, the wing tapes, like. It, how many fans spawned from watching Hayabusa, watching Onita? Like, how many people became fans of Japanese wrestling just from watching that stuff? Like, all the explosion stuff. Like, and there's people who aren't wrestling fans who, who still be like, oh man, I've seen this Japanese tape online from uh, a download off of LimeWire or Napster because <laughs> watching these Japanese dudes in this explosion match. And, like, you know, there's people who just come into this, watching this genre now that are just like, man, this, this stuff's crazy. So, it's, to me, it's just a whole nother boom from what kind of CCW and even FNW and even ECW kind of like started sparking just a little bit. In your opinion, Alex, why do you think some people choose to look down upon deathmatch wrestling? I mean, you have so many different genres of wrestling. You have the Japanese strong style, which is one way. Um, You have more of your Greco-Roman based mat wrestlers. You have your Lucha Libre. Um, You have your British style as well. But why is it, if you had to put your finger on it, do you think people just look at it as just gratuitous violence that isn't really an art form? Yeah. And do you think they truly have any understanding of really what goes into it? Some people do, uh, but there's a whole sector of fans. Uh, the fans are, are kind of, I feel like at least in this day and age, fans with Deathmatch Wrestling are kind of split. You'll have fans that, that truly do appreciate at least whatever art form that, that it is, or at least they deem to presume it is. Um, and then you have a sector of fans that are kind of just into the gratuitous blood, the violence, the big, like, is this guy, I hope this guy gets hurt type mentality. And that's, I feel like that's not what it's about. I feel like it is, it is kind of an art form. 
And at least from what I do is, is I like to mold wrestling into the death matches. And, um, you know, it's not just about the big spots and the weapons. Like it's about at least trying to tell a story, if not a simple story and, and trying to mix in, uh, maybe some catches catch can or some traditional technical wrestling, some high flying, uh, something other than two dudes smashing each other with, uh, with weapons, you know, and you just get, you just get different sectors of, uh, fans that kind of like have their thoughts on it and that's where you get people who think oh this is just it's just violence you know and that's a lot of the early stuff the early stuff was just two guys just hitting each other with stuff because if you watch even like old like uh nwa cage matches and stuff like the psychology wasn't built on being a technical wrestler the psychology was dusty going in there with somebody they're punching each other a lot they're bringing chains out it's they're red equals green right so yep what, why is what we do any different from what they did? The only difference is they use that as a blow off. And sometimes we come in right away with that and we try to figure out how to build and ante it up even more. So from what we did, so it's kind of more of a higher elevated version of what Dusty and some of those guys were doing in the eighties. So I don't, sometimes I just don't understand the psychology of, of, Hey, what you guys do isn't what they did. Uh, it's not wrestling. Uh, it's, it's exactly kind of the same thing they did, just a little bit more violent. No, I agree with you completely. Um, you had mentioned about this a little bit earlier. You'd said that You're when right. it comes to doing deathmatch wrestling, sometimes promoters, it, it may be hard to get on a show that's not necessarily deathmatch because you can still wrestle really well, and you did a lot of that, the majority of your early portion of your career. Um do you feel like some people stay away from booking somebody because they may have the stigma of their death match and they think, well, they really can't go any other uh, style. But in reality, a lot of these guys are just as versatile and just as good. Uh, it just happens to be death match is really what their passion is. Do you feel like that's ever hindered you as far as getting booked? Uh, I guess maybe sometimes I really don't think about it that hard, to be honest. I would think about it more from the flip side. Like promoters are only wanting to book me because they see my deathmatch stuff. So that's what, <laughs> that's what they're seeking. Not more so, oh, are they not going to book me because all they see is deathmatch, but more so they, they want to book me for the deathmatch. But, uh, if it, if it comes to like stuff like TV or getting looks from, from outside companies overseas, or obviously it's gonna, it's gonna hinder me because a lot of the perception um, amongst uh, the general public is what we do isn't wrestling. And that's why guys like me are doing the best to kind of change that perception. Um, you know, uh, maybe someday it'll change and, and that'll be something that could benefit deathmatch guys is to be looked at as professional wrestlers as a whole. But I feel like at least right now uh, you get your kind of your 50, 50 going on. I remember it's funny. You talked about, um, FMW. I saw a lot of the FMW stuff with Leatherface and Terry Funk did a bunch of stuff and McFoley did a bunch of stuff and it was it was very raw. It was different, but it still garnered an incredible audience and it was something that FMW was more of a tape trader thing. Um, back in the day, you, you had to get it from somebody who, who had a copy of it. But yeah, I, I remember that very, very vividly and it launched a lot of careers. I mean, let's think about it. If Mick didn't do half the stuff he did, would he necessarily have gotten the opportunity to do the mankind stuff? Because that's what attracted so many people was his anything goes type of style. So 
I feel like a lot of people still need to give credit to the FMWs and the GCWs because there is money in that, and that can springboard people into into other areas. I agree. Uh, every every style of wrestling has its appeal, and I feel like deathmatch wrestling does have an appeal. Um, and I feel like hopefully, maybe someday we could see a lot of deathmatch guys get an opportunity to be on a larger platform to be able to show that we could kind of. Uh, bring it to a, a TV level, and it's not just the indie. Like, oh, all we could do is just bleed a bunch. No, we we could do way more than that. It's just being given the opportunity to use our creativeness to uh, you know, sway the public into believing what we're doing is is what we do outside of the the viewer eyes. You know. Well, Alex, you know, you can wrestle, you can do deathmatch stuff, but recently, I caught a promo you did. And it really, like, it really drew me in. And it was the one against uh, uh, Colby Carino. <laughs> yes. And if you don't mind, I would love to sit there and play it for everybody to actually listen to it. Because, right. like, I thought it was an amazing promo. September 26th, Colby Carino, you and I step in a ring, but not the ring you think of. It's not just a wrestling ring we're stepping in. It's my world, my yard. It's my universe, my stars, it's everything that I do well. Everybody's thinking, ah, you know, another non-deathmatch guy stepping into what Alex Cologne does well, what, what he does at 150 miles per hour. Yeah, that's what I do. And on the 26th, that's going to be what you do. Because what not a lot of people understand is you were born for this, for, this, for the barbed wire, the blood, the little cuts. Ask your father. It's your birthright. In the early 2000s, your father decided to step in the ring with a man I know well, Homicide. And they built a war that led into barbed wire. And although we're rushing into this, this war has been going on for a long time. Because it's your family's namesake. It's your birthright, just like I told you. So on the 26th, prepare. Because it's not a wrestling match. It's going to be a fight. The fight of your life. Colby Carino, I've been waiting for this day to wrestle a Carino, wrestle somebody with that birth name, that namesake, something near the wire, somebody born to be tangled in it. And on the 26th, you and I are going to be tangled in that wire. We're going to be cut up. 150%. I'm coming to show out. It's not just Henderson's show. Yeah, it's a nice little show on a Sunday. This is a real fucking match. I'm giving you everything I got. I'm going to beat you till you can't stand. And then I'm going to throw you in the wire. And then I'm going to take you out. And then I'm going to throw you in the wire again. I want you to feel what your father felt. You need to ask him. Ask him what this life's about. He might be the king of old school, but I'm the king of the motherfucking death matches in this world. And you're going to fucking find out on the 26th. Get ready. Preparate. Love it. Man, that 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 whole promo like drew me in, and like that just showed that you're a well-rounded wrestler. Like, like th there's not one thing that you can't do. That was a horrible promo. <laughs> no, uh, the promo was okay. Um, you know, I'm very critical on myself. Uh, yeah, uh, there, there's a. I always say there's a story to tell in death matches. Like not a lot of people believe that. Like you can tell a story in death matches. And with with Colby, it was a matter of like 
the similarities of him wanting to kind of dabble in this world when his dad has dabbled in this world. So just making those similarities, like your father's been here. He's, he's been down this path. Is this, is this where you want to go? Cause I can be the leader that's going to take you down this path, but it might be a path you won't like, you know what I mean? So it's playing into that story right there. So Alex, there's something I seen on, on your Twitter feed that I, I want to know more. And I'm kind of curious about, uh, you said about uh, you want to do a when worlds collide type show yeah. with, with uh, Latin and Spanish talent. Like what, uh, what made you want to decide, you know, to come up with something like that? Well, I was a, I was a big fan of obviously like everybody else was a big fan of WCW's cruiserweight division. Um, you know, later on in the years after WCW was long gone, uh, I found the when worlds collide show and I didn't even know that, Something like that happened. Everybody's big fans of guys like Eddie Guerrero, Art Bar, Octagon, uh, El Santo, like, uh, you know, all the luchadors um, or whatnot. And um, I don't know. It's just something that just kind of came into my head because being from the East Coast, there's a a large population of uh, Latin wrestlers. And then going to Mexico and seeing the different styles there, like, it's just something that I feel like at least today we could do something like worlds collide again. We could do something that could kind of like change the landscape, at least of independent wrestling from a perspective of uh, bringing a different type of flavor for a show. Like, you know what I mean? No, I, I, I totally agree. Uh, I, I think we need a little something like that to spotlight, you know, Spanish and Latin Americans in the United States again. So, well, Alex, I got one last question that I like to ask. I can't believe this. Uh, whatever. Let's get on with it. Okay. The hot, question. Hot tub time machine. If you can go back in the time to any point in wrestling history, take somebody out of a match and put you in the match, what match is it and why? Oh, that's a, there's there's a couple. Uh, is there a couple different ones? Yeah, there's a couple different ones. Um, If I could, like maybe 95 with Onita. Like when Onita was doing a retirement with Hayabusa in that barbed wire cage, like there's something about that match. Like I've watched that match multiple times, and for for a 1990s uh, like death match, you know, with, with a little bit of hokey here and there, but like uh, something about that was just like built so well. Like Onita's entrance and like that whole like pregame of the camera catching him writing on the chalkboard. Uh, the way the crowd was just reacting and him crying after the match as usual and tossing water everywhere. Um, I think being thrown back into there would have uh, been something awesome to, to do. Um, Bruiser Brody in the 80s. I feel like, man, to stand across somebody like that, so that guy was an animal. He's like, <laughs> That's somebody that I would have loved to get in the ring with and mix it up. Um, I'm sure he would have whooped my ass, but that's besides the point. <laughs> I feel like that's definitely somebody I wish I would have at least had the opportunity to gain some knowledge from, if not step in the ring with, you know, uh, I wish a lot of the older talent, uh, even the ones that are still around uh, would give a little bit more of, uh, of their, their knowledge to the younger talent. Cause I feel like that is what's missing out of not just deathmatch wrestling, but just wrestling in general. Alex, there's so many more things that we could talk about. And obviously, we were definitely going to have a part two with you because I have so many more questions when it comes to deathmatch wrestling and the psychology that goes into it and all the different aspects of it. So can we uh, twist your arm to bring you back again? Yeah, of course. Anytime, guys.
Awesome. Hey, thank you so much. Where can people find you on social media and where can they buy your merchandise? Give everybody the details. Uh, you can find me on Facebook under my my namesake, Alex Cologne, or you can find me uh, more exclusively on Twitter at AlexCologne0139. Hit me up there. I'll 100% more than likely respond uh, pretty fast. So definitely hit me up and seek me in those avenues. Uh, Deathmatch Worldwide uh, does a lot of my merch. Also, uh, MDK, they're, got, they're a good group of guys out on the West Coast. They do some of my merch as well. So definitely hit up those uh, people and sites and uh, pick up some merch. Support, support your local deathmatch guy. Absolutely, support your independent wrestlers as well. Go buy tickets. Go to the shows. Support them. Let them let them know you love what they do because they love doing it as well. Alex, so great talking with you. We'll catch up with you down the road. Yes, thank you guys for having me on. Hey, you got you it. Take care. Wow. Um, we talked a little bit about FMW with Alex and there's so much more meat on the bone that I want to get into because when it comes to that, you know, you hear wrestlers talk about their bump card and, and you've only got so many bumps on your bump card. I feel like theirs, their careers are even shorter because of all the extra things that they do. You know, I mean, Hey, Barbed wire, razor wire, like if there was anything that I would say I would absolutely say no to would be those two things. But then you got the, the planes of or panes of glass. And I don't know, I feel like one inch one way or one inch another way, I, it's donezo. I mean, am I just too paranoid or, or is there probably a lot of reality to that, you think? No, no, that, there's definitely reality, but a, a Freeland. It, are you are you are you do, getting something in your ear? Do, do you hear something in the production truck? I hear something. I'm not really quite sure what it. Hold on a second. Hold on. Let's get a hold of Craig Leathers. Where is he? Where's Craig? All hold, right. Hold on here. Hold on. Wait. Wait. What's this? Holy Craig sh- Leathers. Oh, what is? Hey, oh. Look there. Look who. It, wait. 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 Hold on. Hold on. Is there something else? Whoa. Oh, hey. What Kids. up, bitches? Tell oh, your damn. friends right now. The hardcore legends are live on the show. This is incredible. Okay, Ooh. I gotta go. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm just gonna sit back here and let you three do 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 you guys. I mean, that's probably illegal in most states as well. But you know what? <laughs> in Delaware, that may be a state that's that's available. Married a to long do time. It. I'll take what I can get. Oh man. <laughs> oh man. So so Mikey, first of all, let's start with you, my friend. How are you? Uh we all saw the the vicious elbow situation that was going on. Was what happened with that? We were really concerned. I just fell. You know, the usual. <laughs> <He just laughs> that, that that hold it. I've heard you fall into a dog cage, into a dog bowl. Over chairs, you went yep. through a kitchen table during this the, the creation of this show, and yep. none of them resulted in, in in what we saw on social media. Apparently, I've been retired too long, and I don't know how to fall anymore. <laughs> so, so, how much? So, kind of take us through the story here. So, did you immediately go to the hospital, or was there like a day or two you waited, and then? Yeah, it was more like a week. <laughs> It's insane. That's insane. Uh, Jerry knows how it is. Uh, It'll be all right. Yeah. Just, you know, shake it off. Yeah. Wow. So how is it feeling right now? Good. It's normal now. 
as, as normal as normal could be, right? Yes. <laughs> what are you looking for, Mikey? Le le leave me hanging there. Um, <laughs> so it's good to see you. Before I get to before I get to my friend here, Mr. Lin, what, how else have you been since the last time we've talked? I mean, you look really good. You lie like a rug. <laughs> he, he would look a lot better in the new uh, FRM t-shirt. Was it an iron-on? <laughs> oh, no, no. Th these are mint. Uh, it was the very first one ever made. Uh, it was the very first one ever made. I made sure I had... The whole iron-on thing, I feel like it gets a really bad a really bad rap. It's a no, nice no. shirt. It, it's a really cheap rap. I mean, you could you could at least you know got you like one of those cricket things where you like iron it on, but it's like it uh, fuses into the shirt, not that like big plastic bag on top of the shirt. Okay, so you can feel the material and you can scratch it. I get it. Okay, touche. Did, did you even iron it, or did you have Meg do it? I didn't know. I actually went to the mall. Wait, there's wait, this, wait, there's you this paid guy. Somebody? You didn't? Yeah, you didn't do it, it yourself. Was it was sixty dollars. Oh Sixty dollars for that shirt to get to get it made. He went to Tarbosh at the mall. He's in the It was the Pakistani guy. He's really really nice. Oh my goodness! His name is Ricky, and I went there, and he said, "Yeah, we'll, we'll hook you up." And uh, he just cut it out of the, I don't know, the stuff, and he put it on the chest, and he said, "Does it work?" Jeez. And I said, it "Sounds good." No goddamn Ricky. He sew it on like a moccasin. <laughs> no, he... <laughs> wow, wow. I try to be proactive. I try to be proactive and do something. And that's what I get. Well, oh, well, God. Freeland, that wasn't yeah. proactive. You did it the night before. That doesn't matter. I still look proactive. Yeah. Is there a time frame that has to happen to be proactive? Like a week ahead of time? Uh... I will never forget. You sent that picture. Jerry and I were like... <laughs> it's about to be the big D and not in a good way. The one that's going to cost you money. I still have it. It's still nice. But I, I, I realize... I'm, talking, some... I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about the shirt. I'm talking about the moccasins. <laughs> <laughs> that was made with love. I know, I know. That was made with love. I could have purchased her It was made with love at $1.50. I did use my Michael's uh, educator's discount for that. And three sticks of hot glue. Let me tell you about that, man. That's that's how you put that logo on that shirt. Hot glue. Hot glue. That's right. You, you know, Freeland, with yeah. you know, knowing that guy on a first-name basis, I'm kind of wondering what other shirts you had him iron on for you so you didn't have to go buy. No, nothing. Why? Why would you – what do you mean? I haven't had any other – Look, I don't, I don't dabble in the, the nice crafts chair. a whole lot. What, ha what, what happened for a while there? You were sitting at the table. You had like a Hulk Hogan backdrop. Now you're I back did. in the, the the old the old the old bags chair. No, the reason <laughs> I see you've I see you've changed the afghan. <laughs> I got a new slip for the chair. The reason I'm sitting here is my back hurts like hell. I sit on these wooden chairs for. You steal that window frame from a church. <laughs> Get that one. That's it. It's a nice one. It's nice. So it's got family random, pictures. Random, random children picked up. That's good. Now nah, it came with the frame. That'll get you fifteen to twenty. 
<laughs> so I, I do want to make this point. I don't know if I shared this with you guys, but um, I actually got to spend some time with my good personal <laughs> longtime friend, Mr. Jerry Lynn. Yeah, and I saw you. I saw, I saw you behind John Mossy, looking like you wanted to accost him of some, some very naughty things. <laughs> You're absolutely terrible. You're absolutely terrible. Uh-oh. I was gonna tap him on the shoulder, and then that that Shane guy, that guy scares the crap out of me. I am never gonna be. Oh my god! They, there's a security well, there's, guy. His job, his oh, job is to keep creepers like you away. I'm not a, but I'm not a creeper. Oh my yes. Good. Hey Mikey, could you could you imagine if if uh, Kenny Omega walked down there instead of Moxley? He'd be in jail. Shane, nobody's stopping him. <laughs> this is absolutely ridiculous. But no, I, I want to. The good thing is you wouldn't have seen him because you would have been on his knees. You would have been above the camera. <laughs> wow. They frame him pretty tight. Oh, just no. wow. Oh, no. Oh no. I take my fanhood very seriously, but I don't cross that line. I don't, hey. By the way, by the way, I feel bad because. I uh, I kind of was a. Uh, Are you nervous? You're starting to tick. I was. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of a big deal in my section because oh, Jerry took up six seats. <laughs> <laughs> I got. I'm, I'm here all night, folks. Six seats. No, I'm not. Aren't you concerned? I, I did w was concerned. Jerry, you're the one that copped him in. Jerry, look. <laughs> so I got to I so I got to meet Jerry. He came to my section, and I felt bad because all of a sudden, when people saw Jerry come out, it was like whoosh, everybody was swarming. Not so, really. Not no, really. there were people. There were people. Wait, wait. There were people. You felt Jerry sorry. Man. Everybody felt <laughs> sorry for Jerry. They 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 knew Jerry's doing to make it worse. They had to be sure. That, no, you left him alone. <laughs> This is horrible. This is no. It, oh. Wow. But Jerry, thank you. It was very, very nice getting a chance to. I have a picture as well, but I'm not going to put it. Uh, I'm not going to put it up right now because I feel You've seen like enough uh, pictures. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Jer- Jerry said he get, Jerry said he give you two comps. You took six seats. You took six seats. They're, they're docking Jerry one hundred twenty six dollars and ninety two cents out of his paycheck. Yeah, I tried to get you in the handicap section with a screwdriver. <laughs> and a private stall in the bathroom. Yeah. One of the biggest nights of my professional wrestling fandom, and this is what I get in return. Thank you. Listen, you you, you went. To, I went to AEW. Jerry didn't even say hello to me. I didn't see him all night. When? When was that? Yeah. When were you at AEW? Like a year ago, year and a half oh, ago that, in Philadelphia. That, oh, in Philly. Well, you had to he leave, didn't, didn't you? He, he didn't. Let's not change the story. I can't remember. I well, can. Re- I remember perfectly fine. First of oh, all, of he course. didn't come out and say hi to me. I could. <laughs> I couldn't go back and say hello to anybody. I had to be like Jabroni in the in the seat. Then when the show was over, he goes, "Pick me around out front." So we had to drive around the building a few times before we went to Jerry outside. Snuck in real quick and left. <laughs> I said, "I get it. I see how it is." Wow. Well, let's let hold, let let's put this uh, this reunion here uh, just on hold for a brief moment. Let's put this on hold because I'm very very excited right now. Okay, and I'm sure that this uh, again. Keep the camera tight. <laughs> <clears throat> Never misses a beat. Never misses a yeah. beat. We don't want to see any ads for pup tents. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, <laughs> hey. Oh, trust me, you're not going to see this any how, ads on this show ever. No. This is how Jerry gets. Jerry gets real comfortable. He lays down in a bed. He He's has his little up. his little drink. Yeah, his little coffin. All right, let's go ahead and let's bring this uh, individual on. I am very excited about bringing her on. Obviously, Jerry and Mikey are here as well, which is uh, actually a huge, a huge bonus. I did, and she's amazing. How much, and did, that's why I did, How much that. did you pay her? She agreed she's, on her own she, free will. This is business. She comes on a podcast. You got to pay her. He gave her coupons. Wait, Mikey, are we getting paid? Are we getting paid? Jerry, Jerry, we haven't gotten paid since 2017. (laughs) All right, let me go ahead and let me bring her on. It's been that long. It's been, yeah, well, yeah, it's been that long. That's right, Bubba. We got a really big episode coming up for our three year anniversary. So, we're going to. Six seats? Six screens? Not. Six screens. Starting to feel good about myself, and slowly as the as the reunion goes on, I start to go down. How's the chat room? Anybody uh, happy we're here? Uh, There's nobody yeah. watching. Very good. Perfect. Everyone's going to be watching now. Let me let me bring uh, this individual on. Oh, yeah, bring her on. Bring her on. She bring is on. a successful professional wrestler. She's <laughs> held titles in different promotions. She's got, got a great look, uh, great her. intensity, great charisma, and we've been talking for a while. Let me bring her on. This is Billy Starks. Billy, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you guys? We are good. Let me introduce you to the RIT and uh, to ECW's Jerry Lynn and Mikey Whipwreck as well. I met Billy. Hey, Billy. How are you? I'm good. How is everybody? We're great. Did Freeland pay you yet for your appearance here? <clears throat> no, not yet. <laughs> we can oh. talk about this after the stream is over. <laughs> don't hold your breath. Please don't wait by the mailbox if you're waiting for his check. And if it does, it's rubber. Oh boy, Billy! It's great. Want... <laughs> Billy, it's Billy, great to see you. you. We want you to feel like it's ECW like, so you're just not going to get paid. <laughs> Billy, it's great that we got a chance to to finally go ahead and, and sync up our schedules here. So, how have you been, and how has the wrestling scene been treating you recently? Um, pretty great. Uh, I just went out to Seattle this weekend and I had a great time. Uh, flew back and went to school. <laughs> Wow. So, I mean, so tell everybody about this who may not be super familiar. So going to school and wrestling at the same time, what is life like with all that? Um, it's pretty crazy, but I worked through it. Um, I had a essay due on Monday that was not done, a thousand word essay that I had to do on the plane. So that was fun. Uh, but most of my teachers work with me and um, I'm pretty organized for the most part. But wrestling and doing school at the same time is a struggle. <laughs> So what does made you decide, you know what, while I'm going to school, I'm going to do this wrestling thing at the same time. Did you ever think that it might be a little much on your plate or did you say, you know what, let's just roll with it? I've always just loved wrestling. So I was like, screw it. This is what I want to do. Might as well start now. So when you decided that wrestling was something that you wanted to do, who were some of the early influences that you had? Was there anybody that stands out that, when you started watching, like, oh, I really like watching him or I really like watching her? So, like, when I first started watching wrestling, I was, like, watching the era where, like, Bailey and Fed Bally were in NXT, so they, like, stood out to me. Um, but then when I started going to, like, independent shows, I, like, fell in love for Necro Butcher for some reason. I was just like, yeah, this man yeeted a trash can across the Colgate gym. This is what I love to see. <laughs> Yeah, um, 
the Necro Butcher is definitely somebody who I've not gotten to see a whole lot of his work, but from what I have seen, it is um, it is very entertaining. <laughs> so here you are, obviously deciding that you wanted to wrestle and go to school. What were your folks' thoughts at that point in time? Did they say, you know, hey, go for it. This sounds great. Or was there a little hesitation? Both of my parents were, like, super supportive of it especially my dad, because he like was the one who introduced me into wrestling. Um, and then my mom was just confused by it. She was like, I don't understand what's going on, but cool. If you're having fun, just do it. Uh, she's more into like the marketing and making like the gear look pretty. So uh, all my merchandise and uh, gear looking pretty is due to her. <laughs> so how does that work as far as just the social landscape of, of being a student still in school? Um, what do other people say when they come up to you and they realize that you're traveling around the country and you're doing all these things, but then come Monday morning, you're just a regular student again. So like for a while, uh, a lot of people didn't know I wasn't like hiding it, but I wasn't like going around and telling people what I was doing. Um, but like my freshman year, uh, freshman year of high school, uh, I had like one of my teachers pull me out to the hallway and she asked me, is everything okay at home? And I was, like, confused. I'm like, what What does that mean? And it was because I was coming to school just, like, covered in bruises from wrestling. <laughs> and he thought, like, oh, something's going on. I better talk to this kid. <laughs> uh, wow. So then, I, like, I had to explain to everybody that I was a wrestler so no one thought my mother beat me. <laughs> and that yeah, would... That was, that <laughs> that's definitely something that you probably want to put out there so your parents don't get some type of bad rap. Yeah, so uh, soon everybody knew that I was wrestling, and, like, that's what I did every weekend, um, and it just became, like, the normal. My bunny came to, like, join me in the podcast, the little bumper. Oh, my gosh, a rabbit. <laughs> yes. Very nice. Bunny. He just decided that he wanted to jump and cuddle in bed with me. <laughs> There's I had a poop all over the house. Hmm? Does he poop all over the house? No, he has a litter box. He uses his litter box. Oh, nice. Wow. You can train a rabbit? Yes. It's difficult, but yes. Wow. Oh, Jerry. What? I can't train guinea place. pigs to use a litter box. <laughs> oh. I had a... Uh, a I had a rabbit one time. Um, we named it Hassan Pfeffer. Uh, oh, no. Didn't, didn't, last, didn't last very long, but the... Uh, the wake was very delicious. Um, let, let's kind of get back. Wait, I got a question for Billy. <clears throat> um, what are you going to school for? Um, I'm still in high school, actually. Re how really? How old were you when you started wrestling? Uh, I was 13 when I started wrestling. Oh my god! Jeez. Jeez. Wow. Now, didn't your dad bring you to one of my seminars? Yeah. Wait, was that in Tullahoma? Or where um, was it? Where was that one? I'm trying to remember. I don't remember exactly where it was at. I just remember traveling. <laughs> okay. Because I remembered, uh, well, the blue hair really reminds me. But I remember. That's what I get uh, most people. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, I remember you were there and that your dad brought you. So. so I'm glad to see you're busier. Yeah, the schedule picked up. Especially, like, it was weird because everything, like, stopped during COVID, but then I was still, like, one of the only people wrestling, and then now the world's getting back to normal, 
I feel like my schedule was just packed. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So how how does that actually go? Because I know there's some people we've talked to that go to different wrestling schools that they'll train, but they want you to be, you know, 17 or 18 or whatever like that. So obviously you got a, a quicker jump start into the whole thing. Um, 13 is, is, is pretty early. Sounds good. <laughs> I think she's, or is her screen froze. Her screen's froze or she really didn't like that question. Um, I'm impressed. I am thoroughly impressed because I can barely juggle my life. And, and she's juggling being in high school. Wait, she moved. And flying around and, and competing and all doing all this other kind of stuff. I could not even at that age fathom that. I I couldn't imagine. Well, when I broke in, everyone was a bunch of, you know, God, did you just well look 87 years old? Wait, wait, Jerry. <laughs> Jerry, did you just try to stand up and then decide, screw it, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to lay I, back I down? Gave up. I gave No, I was straightening out something. Wow. Oh, hey, now. Come on now. What? Really? B- B- Billy, are you still there? Yeah, I'm back. It kind of froked out for a minute. No, you're fine. Um, Billy, how old are you now? I'm 16 now. Oh, Jesus. Behave, everybody. Behave. <laughs> and you've you know, already it, been wrestling three years. That's incredible. So, I mean, gosh, most of my questions here are going to be, I'm going to have to tweak and modify some of these. So let me. I'm amazed that your parents supported you. I I broke into wrestling when I was 25 and my parents didn't want me doing it. Yeah, me neither. I feel like it was very just because I did sports before that. They always saw it as just another sport. And I was always taking care of my body. Like I do weightlifting now and I'm just trying my best to stay in good health. Oh my, I did a lot of sports and stuff, but the first thing my mom said, when I said I was going to go to camp to be a wrestler, she says, why do you want to get hurt? (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, I don't want to get hurt. So that was the argument my parents had because my mom's like, Oh, it's going to hurt. And my dad's like, it's all fake. So, so well, the other argument between those two. That's and where I screwed it, up. Somehow it ended up just me calling me, as my dad would go, you're an idiot. <laughs> they, Mikey and I, you know where we screwed up? We didn't do the fake stuff. <laughs> That's where we screwed up. <laughs> so, yeah, I see, mean. But, but Jerry, see, you, you, you started with the fake stuff. How? And, and then. Well, faker stuff, and then you then you came to ECW, where it just was like, okay, this is like, well, someone started with the bad those, stuff. Some someone should have told some of those guys who were six foot four and two hundred and seventy pounds that, hey, this is supposed to be fake. Yeah. So, Billy, when it comes to you know wrestling, you've been wrestling for three years now, and the bumps, the bruises, the contusions, all that kind of stuff comes with the territory. What has been the worst injury you've received so far? Um, probably when I had to go get staples, I uh, took a dive to concrete. It was just a freak accident, and like I busted my head open. Um, and I honestly was fine. I didn't have a concussion. I finished the match. I was getting yelled at by everybody. Um, but I went to the back, got checked by EMT. He like rinsed my... Uh, head off with saline, and then uh, my mom drove me to urgent care and got staples in my head. Oh my god! <laughs> How did you manage I to hit the floor? I honestly was fine 
Because I remember uh, doing it was a double suicide, and when the one guy suicide before me hit the guy that was catching us, and they stepped back and they reached for me, and I knew I wasn't getting caught. So as I'm going through the ropes, I tuck, and I just remember uh, laying on the concrete. I go, oh, I'm not concussed. I don't see any dots. I'm good. And then everybody swarmed me, and I was like, oh crap. <laughs> And then uh, I remember my mom yelling at Joey Janela and Marco Stunt because they're trying to check on me. And she's like, get away. She's fine. She's fine. <laughs> so I, I was Billy, looking Billy, at. Where are, you, where, where are you out of? Um, I'm out of Louisville, Kentucky. Nice. I'm in Cincinnati. So that's right. <laughs> yeah, Ohio, Kentucky. Yeah, I get it. Uh, <laughs> well, so. I was looking at your resume, and there's a lot of places you, you've been to, and obviously you've been with GCW, and that in itself you know, has its own stigma. It's, it's been, in, especially in the news recently, um, what has your experience has been with something like GCW? Do you feel like it's been a really good experience? Do you like that genre, or... Um, I actually have a great time there. I've had like many matches that have been on like a grand stage and I've gotten many opportunities. Um, I got to wrestle at like their lower uh, or like their developmental like JCW. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's showcasing younger talent uh, that otherwise would not get as big of a stage to show their worth and how great uh, they truly are. And I feel like everything they're doing uh, is for like the benefit of wrestling. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you completely. I feel like with, <clears throat> with the different outlets now, especially with social media, IWTV is, is a big one right now for pro wrestling. And a lot of companies now are signing deals with fight. And so a lot of their events are being broadcast on pay-per-view and you can get them on demand as well. So that's giving you such a great level of exposure. Um, is there anybody who's uh, reached out and tried to get a hold of you and said they really like your work so far? Um, a few people, actually. But it's just like I feel like people are just very supportive of what I'm doing and just want to see me grow. I noticed that you also spent some time uh, with uh, Kiefer Bartek's promotion uh, down in Texas. I believe that is the... Is that uh, New Texas Pro Wrestling? Correct, Omidday. Yeah, so what's that like? Uh, Kiefer's a, a good dude, and we've gotten a chance to uh, to talk to him before. We're going to bring him back again. So what was that like? Uh, I really enjoyed it. I got brought in the first time to wrestle Roxy, and that was my first time meeting her. Uh, and she's just an amazing person, and I love everything that they have going on uh, in Texas. And I wish like more of those people who live in Texas and wrestle down there uh, got more like uh, to like the Midwest or to the East Coast because I feel like there's so much talent there, but they're trapped because Texas is so huge. I right. did like a loop there, and everything was like three hours away. And I was like, if I'm three hours away, uh, like from home, I can be in like a whole different state. In Texas, you're just in Texas still. <laughs> just a different section of it. Yes. <laughs> wow. Right. What do you think of Whataburger? See, I feel like it was overhyped for me. Like, I really oh. enjoyed it, but it was like everybody like put it over so much that I was like, "This isn't everything that I thought it was going to be." 
Uh, but Bucky's, okay. Bucky's on the other hand, oh I my fell in love. <laughs> I had never been to Bucky's till someone told me in Jacksonville there was a Bucky's. Now it's a smaller one, they said, but the first. So I've only been to that one, but I loved it, and I thought I wish Bucky's was around years ago. So now I want to try and hit every Bucky's there is. There's the ones in Texas are just like amazing, and apparently there's a Mega Bucky's that I want to experience because like the Bucky's already uh, are like Walmart size. I'm like, what, what is a mega, mega like Bucky's going to be like a mall? Yeah. And I made the mistake of not going into the bathrooms. I heard the bathrooms are immaculate. They have bathroom attendant. Like someone is job is to clean the bathroom all day and just be chilling there. Wow. So and this is a burger clean. joint. No, this is a gas station. Oh my god! Right at the rally. What is a Bucky? I I have no what a Bucky is. And they have (laughs) Bucky's a beaver. Yeah, Bucky's is a beaver. It's a mascot of the gas station. Um, They have their own merchandise. They have uh, like homemade fudge, and then they have burgers that are being made. And it's just they have a wall of beef jerky. Have you? This is great. (laughs) You've been to a Bucky's. Have you ever been to a Valero? Oh boy! I don't know. Oh, if that's... No. She doesn't slum it. <laughs> wow! Wow! She doesn't slum. Okay. I wasn't. Bucky's I wasn't sure. Is, you have to see Bucky's. It's amazing. He won't know what to do with himself. I know. I love gas stations, by the way. And there's probably we what? Know. What would you say, Billy? At least a hundred pumps. Gas yeah. pumps. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. A hundred gas pumps. Yeah. Is, Is there like admission? Gas? They probably could charge admission. Because I would go. I would still go, too. Yeah. <laughs> you would pay admission to go to the gas station. Yeah, if they yes. had a cover charge, I'd pay it. <laughs> and they're open 24 hours. Every 50 mm-hmm. gallons of gas gets your free hood ornament. <laughs> yeah, a little beaver hood ornament. Bucky hood ornament. I'm going to leave that one go. Um, <laughs> Billy, Billy, let me ask you this question. So you talk about the state of Texas. And whenever you talk about Texas, obviously um, Booker T has his reality of wrestling down there as well, which is a really successful promotion. But also another promotion that a lot of people are flocking to is the all-women's promotion run by a really, really uh, great wrestler, and that's Thunder Rosa. Have you ever had a chance to go ahead and talk to some people um, who've worked with Mission Pro and what would your thoughts be if you ever got a chance to work with them? Um, I know a few people who do work for uh, Mission Pro Wrestling, and I feel like what they're doing there is great in uh, show- showcasing women's wrestling. And uh, I would love to be part of that. Uh, just haven't got the opportunity yet. You see, it, it's so interesting because you seem so mature for your for your age, and I know that's something a lot of old people say, but you, you do. You, you carry yourself with a lot of, um, a lot of, you know, well. Spoken. Poise. I, I know. <laughs> poise. Thank you. I, I poise. was looking for the word. You carry yourself with a lot of poise, and, and you're oh, very please. experienced when it comes to, to wrestling itself. Is there something in wrestling so far, or maybe working with somebody that you might have kind of crossed paths with, but you've never got a chance to work with so far, and who might that be? Ooh. Uh, 
I, my brain, my brain has to think. Because I know you mentioned Roxy, and gosh, Roxy has done everything now. I mean, she has been across the pond. She's been uh, a champion in different promotions, and now she's with ROH, with I think it was, it was incredible. And it, it seems like her career has just, in a blink of an eye, literally taken off. And it's like, wow, 2021 has been incredible for her. Yeah, I'm so proud of everything she's doing. And, like, she's one of those wrestlers who, like, I, like, met uh, on a podcast, actually. Uh, and that was our introduction into each other before uh, I ended up wrestling her at New Texas. But um, everything she's, like, done this past year and just building herself and even women that, uh, winning uh, ROH's women's title, it's phenomenal to see her growth. Yeah, there's so many young talent out there that is climbing the ranks really quickly. Would you also agree, as we mentioned before, IWTV, Fight, um, I mean, obviously YouTube has always been a platform that wrestlers can put their stuff on, but with social media being what it is today and, and the TikTok and the Twitter and whatnot, you can literally put clips and promos and everything that is you out there and within a moment's notice people are watching highlights of your stuff i mean right after you get out of the ring um you're able to load stuff up you're able to go live how much do you feel like that's played a role into getting exposure for people where maybe 15 20 years ago that really didn't exist uh i feel like it's just broadened the audience of wrestling so much and then everything's being seen so much more like quickly too that this person can be picked up like this. Like, uh, for example, like Ninja Mac, GCW. Oh, Alexa, turn on the light. <laughs> Alexa, I think wow. She shut I'm it not really quite sure what just happened around this time. I have school during the week, and she's like, "It's bedtime. Shut the lights off, oh, Alexa." Wow. Turn on the light. Either that or the Undertaker's about to come out. Clap on. <laughs> Clap on. <laughs> but uh, I lost my train of thought. Freaking Alexa. <laughs> Just somebody who you would like to work with. I mean, I know there's probably a plethora of names that, that come to mind, but is there anybody that you would say, you know, you'd mentioned Roxy and how proud of her you are. Is there anybody else that kind of comes out? Um. I would love to wrestle Millie McKenzie. She's like my dream yes. opponent. I feel like she's just a great talent. Um, but I also started like talking to Charlie Evans and I think she's just an amazing person and would love for her to come from Australia over here. Cause I feel like she would have such a great time. Yeah. We've talked to several people from Australia and unfortunately the lockdown situation there is even more extreme than it is here. Um, so hopefully fingers crossed, People continue to get healthy. Things continue to get better. And we're able to see more international stars come back over to, to the States. Yeah, um, so I don't want to keep you because I'm a, uh, I'm a, I'm not high school, but I'm a middle school language arts teacher. So uh, <laughs> when, when you said that essay that you're writing, what's your topic on the essay? So I just read Frankenstein, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Nice. So I choose an uh, excerpt from that and then analyze it just talking about like the different I don't even know there's like diction and language and just breaking it down and basically saying why did the author do this 
well, I think the author did this because of this. There's a potato. I love that. <laughs> well, if you ever have any questions about literacy or any of that kind of stuff, that's right up my alley. I'd be more than happy to share my expertise in that uh, in that field as well. Thank you so much. Uh, it's great talking to you. I know um, we're, we're kind of hard pressed here with time, but where can people find you? Where can people get your merchandise? Where can people find out where your next booking is going to be? Give everybody all those great details. Um, you can find all that information on social media. Uh, all my social media is at Billy Starks, B-I-L-L-I-E, and then Starks is S-T-A-R-K-Z. This is awesome. Um, uh, Billy, it, it's so interesting. You live a double life that I think in so many ways we are envious of you. I mean, you get to be by day uh, this normal American high school teenager, but in the evenings and the weekends, you become a badass and you're in the ring battling it out with people. So just understand many of us live vicariously through you. And uh, thank you for what you do. And we're so excited about everything that's going to happen in your career. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for having me too. Good to see you again, Billy. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll talk to you down the road, Billy. Thanks see you later. Bye. Down the road. Bye. Be safe, guys. Wow. So what I, is Mikey? <clears throat> I thought it was a that, turd. That, that's poo. That's poo. I'm a potato. That's so, not a. That's not a. I've seen a potato, Mikey. That's a turd. Is that the? Uh, not Mr. Hanky. The Christmas poo. That, that, that's, no, mi no. that's Mr. Cranky. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Halloween how, poo. <laughs> how do you make the mouth move? How are you doing that? that you don't want to know. <laughs> oh, so it's animation that's lined up with your face. Okay. Yeah, he's he, he's technically sound. He can do all that stuff. He is technically sound. It, 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 it takes me an over an hour to do a freaking 30-second clip. It takes me a half hour to get on a podcast. It takes you 10 minutes just to try to get out of bed. That's I saw that. And then I saw the dejected look in your face when you realized it wasn't happening. You were no, like, uh, I'm no. straightening something out. Hey, hey, what you hey, what you do inside that bedroom is your business and it's all of your business. Oh Lord. But no, but but I will say this. It was awesome getting to to meet Jerry. And, you know, there were people and, and he's downplaying this big time because there were people who all around us were marking out. But Jerry kind of kept the fans away and he spent time and, and he got to talk to me. And it was really, really cool. And I just want to let you know that I legitimately appreciate that. That was a lot of fun. And that was a uh, a really cool night for me. So thank you. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah. Hey, Jerry, uh, I ain't going to lie. Freeland sit there and text me. He goes, after Jerry left, I was signing autographs and charging five bucks a pop. Hey, 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 <laughs> hey. M meet the man that knows Jerry Lynn. Five dollars for an autograph. I mean, I should have stood out there and signed autographs. You could. Hey, you could have made some serious cash. Nah. I'm, I'm your nephew now. Oh, Lord. I told Freeland, I'm like, Freeland. Why didn't you wear the FRM pod? You yeah, know? I you never know, thought about that. Okay, okay, here's the reason why. Because I teach at a private Catholic school. I have to wear khakis and a golf shirt. That's what I have to wear. Like, it is very sp specific, yes. 
Plus, we have mass every. Uh, Even to a wrestling show. Well, I came right from school. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, the arena was right down the street from where I taught. So instead of going all the way home and then driving all the way back with rush hour and all that, I decided to grade some papers, uh, follow up on some emails with some parents, and then I left from school to go to the uh, show. Gotcha. All right, speaking of which, I got to get going. They, I was supposed to fly out this evening, and they canceled my flight, so I got to fly out at 7 in the morning. So I got to get up at four o'clock in the morning well i tell you what get oh geez oh this is ridiculous get up and have a great you know, flight Jerry. <laughs> no, oh my god no 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 <laughs> i'm back okay it looks like a shredded wheat oh my god it's a shredded wheat trump <laughs> oh no i'm back okay shredded wheat Joe Biden should be eating me, getting the fiber in his diet. Maybe he'd be able to stay up longer than 3 p.m. I'm known as a man of many endurance. Many, many endurance. I do really big endurance. Where are you I'm from? I'm here. I'm just waiting. China. Do you, uh, China? I told you it would be bad. Joe Biden in China. I told you. No one would believe me. China. Do you fuckers miss me yet or <laughs> I mean, really. I love Things it, went man. from bad to worse. <laughs> what who would have thought, uh-huh. thought someone more incompetent than myself could now be in? It could be worse. You could have Kamala. Excuse me, Kamala. I said Kamala. He's the only Kamala I know. That's correct, Jim Harris. <laughs> Who would ever guess you tune in live this week? You obviously get Mikey and Jerry, but you also get Mikey in animated form in poo slash russet potato and now uh, a, a Trump shredded weed. You want to see me do my impersonation of Joe Biden? <laughs> Why not? Why not? Wait, wait, wait hold on, hold on. Look at the teleprompter. I am. Are you ready? Uh, They told me not to answer any questions. Uh, Oh. uh, Wow. uh, Dr. Biden, I'm damp. (laughs) Damn. I've been wiped. This is tremendous. This is oh. tremendous. Wow. Things could be worse. It could always be worse. It could always be worse. You could be Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> Holy fuck, for the love of God. Could you imagine? No, I couldn't. All right, I got to go. I got to get to bed. Jerry, be good. Have a great uh, Have a great show. I see I'm, I'm back in office. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Shredded Trump is back in the Oval Office. I've been here. I never left. Uh, This place has been converted to an air fryer. Oh, boy. You want to watch me hop? Watch this. (laughs) (laughs) What is happening? This is what birds see. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh. Right, Aren't you glad go. I came back? Yes. 
Bye. Very much so. Good to see you both. We love you both. We're glad to hear you guys are in good spirits. Everybody loves me. 73 million Americans voted for me. <laughs> 73. 23 million voted for Joe Biden. 53 forgot. <laughs> <laughs> 53 just forgot. Himself oh. Wow. Wow. This caricature version of you, I, I'm digging this, man. This is this is fun. Oh my eyes, water. See my big, see my big tongue. I see that. Whoa! Wow. That's yeah, so when you grab him by the pussy, huh? <laughs> oh my god! Oh, did I say that? Am I not supposed to say that? Oh, it's your Fuck it's it. your world, baby. We're just living in it. That's right. Don't forget that, Freeland. Pay your I bill. will never forget. I'm, I will never uh, forget. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, Unfreaking believable. Been a headbang. And a hair not out of place. Nope. Not a perfect. single speck. It's perfect. It's glued. Glued like an iron on t shirt. It's the last time I share any of my wardrobe stuff with anyone else. Are you fuckers bringing on a panel tonight? We got we got a few people that we're going to be bringing on. You want to eh, stick around for that? <laughs> Do you want to stick around for that? We're going to step out for a short commercial break, but we come back. We are going to have the panel. I got some questions I'd love to ask our uh, our wrestling fans. Obviously, Mikey can jump in as well. No, he's I'm named. Leaving. I'm leaving. Or he's or he's out. I go to gamble at the casino. I Tell lost twenty nine million dollars today in the stock market thanks to fucking Joe Biden. <laughs> we need to have a, a cameo of uh, of shredded wheat Trump uh, weekly, if that's even possible. You see, if I try really hard, watch this. <laughs> <laughs> Should I do it again? Here we go. Watch. Oh my god, what the hell are you doing? Oh, I love it. I, I can make my math vagina. Oh my god. You better not I do can, that around Freeland. I can make... I can make a mouth vagina. Incredible. Oh! <laughs> oh. I'm going to behave myself. Do the myself. ABCs. Concentrate on the O... And the Q. <laughs> what are we doing? Uh, what are we doing? R- throw us to throw us to. I'm too sexy, guys. Don't go anywhere. Oh, uh, you still play that shit? We hey, still well, play it because it's one of the most popular songs there is. Why don't we just have him sing it live in the Trump voice? The whole song. You know, oh. I will say just this. I'm too sexy. I'm too sexy for my hair. Too sexy for my hair. Too sexy. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Ugh. Okay, well, enjoy the fucking video, folks. This is brought to you by the Mikey Whipwreck. I'm too sexy for my love. Too sexy for my love. Love's going to leave me. Rest in 
sexy for my shirt. Too sexy for my shirt. So sexy, it hurts. And I'm too sexy for Milan. Too sexy for Milan, New York, and Japan. Take it. Sexy for your party. Too sexy for your party. No way. I am disco dancing. I'm a model. You know what I mean. And I do my little turn on the catwalk. Yeah, on the catwalk. On the catwalk. Yeah, I do my little turn on the catwalk. front row material my name is mike freel and i am joined by my incredible wonderful follically challenged co-host his name is oh the red thank you very much uh, uh, we are we are brought to you by mlw radio if we haven't said that before you can catch us each and every week i don't think on we said that ever mlw <laughs> we are now <laughs> we're saying it now um so excited to have you guys. What, you get a text us. message or something? Or no, no, not yet. I haven't got the. <laughs> I haven't got the big. <laughs> Freeland, you better start saying stuff. You better start saying stuff. Um, no, uh, uh, Apple Music's gonna cancel you. <laughs> <laughs> Stop doing all those damn teaser trailers. Oh my god. Um, yeah, thank you for joining us. Right now, we've had an incredible show so far. Uh, in hour number one, who joined us, Ritster? Uh, Alex Cologne. I, I I enjoyed that one, you know, a lot. Yes. Uh, I'm he already sit there and messaged me back. He's willing to do a do a part two. So can't wait. Yeah, and then uh front row material uh then recently had in our second segment we had Billy Starks. She is a sixteen year old high school student who has also been a professional wrestler for three years. 
And I can't believe, like, she's number 441 on the PWI. She's ranked, yep. But, like, you're 16, you've been wrestling for three years, and you're ranked in the top 500. I know. Like, that's ridiculous. She's really good. And Like, and, she's really good. And I would, I would love to sit there and talk to her because, you know, she's big into intergender wrestling. Yep. I watched a match with her and Jake something. Like, you want to talk David and Goliath. Yeah. Like, and and... It was believable. I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed the match. You know, she's worth uh, people like Kylie Ray. You know, uh, it's just, it's it's crazy. And she recently uh, trademarked her name also, you know. So she's already thinking about future. She's thinking about branding herself, you know, you know and, and that's smart. It, it's so interesting when we talk about these things because it's funny, like in middle school, you know, they're already going after Believe it or not, Rit. So you're gonna this this pertains to you and your family. They're already going after some colleges are looking to sign people that are in middle school before they even reach high school level to sign a deal for college football. And that's how crazy it is. But you know what? It's not so crazy anymore because nowadays an athlete is not just a seasonal athlete. It is all year round, whether it's training, whether it's being in the gym, all that stuff. And now we're seeing pro wrestlers who are not even graduated high school, already having three years, having great matches with huge names, uh, still going to school during the week, flying all over the country. It's just, it blows my mind to think, where was I when I was 16? I wasn't even sniffing that rarefied air that she is right now. No, and uh, speaking of football, you you know, and sports and all that, uh, my son sit there and he's, he's, uh, he's still green. But he's got all the coaches hyped hyped up because of his size and everything, and uh, of course, they're four zero, undefeated. So, I I, I really enjoy uh, you know watching him play because how many eleven year olds do you know that are five five two hundred and ten pounds? Not many, you know. And he he handles these other kids with ease. Heck. I have to watch out for him sometimes because, you know, unfortunately, the other day I made chicken on the grill. He came out and wanted the big piece of chicken. Well, in that Papa's piece of chicken, it was. But when uh, we sit there and go in the kitchen to see who can push who back further, well, let's just put it that way. I did not get the big piece of chicken that day. Whoa. He's already marking his territory. He's saying there's a new sheriff in the house. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. But that's exciting, though. I mean, let me ask you this. I mean, he goes to public school, right? Yeah. Yeah. Would if if a full ride scholarship to a private school wanted him to be obviously a, a starter and whatnot and get a good education, would you ever consider something like that? Or would you want to stay in the in the public sector? Public schools? Uh, that, that'd be something... Because he he wanted to go to a trade like we have a trade school that we have an option to go to once you hit like eighth grade ninth grade or something like that for the rest of your academic career yeah and but he's enjoying football now and you know he goes to Danville area school district mm-hmm. and last year they were in the state championship so the wow like. They're they're a really good school that breeds kids, you know. That's why it's when they seen Aiden, he 
they they looked at him and they're like, we we we've got to we've got to work with him. We got to, and so he's already like, I want to do trades. He wants to do computer graphic design, stuff like that. But he's like, with football, their football team's garbage. So he's like, you know, thinking right now, do I really want to go for my career or do I want to go with football that I enjoy? Which he could probably easily get a, a scholarship, you know, as long as he keeps up and keeps growing. I agree. So, now, I mean, once again, it, sometimes we almost try to grow these kids up quick, too quick. Yeah. I mean, he, he's he's got a, a gosh got another 90 years of life to live uh and he's gonna make some great choices but i'm so happy that he he's happy as a kid he's enjoying himself and uh and having fun along the way because i think his future is is just endless uh depending on what he wants to do and what direction he goes in so yeah and and, and i sit there and I, I appreciate the coaches and the team because like he plays right tackle his one close friend plays right guard and I see it all the time. And Kelly's like gets upset. Like if Aiden doesn't do something right away and I'm like, calm down. And I see his close friend pointing out, okay, the blocking assignment for him on the next play. So to kind of help him along because everybody thinks because he's so big, that he's been doing it for a while. No, he's this is his first year. So he's still got a plenty of, of to grow into. He's still green. Right. That, that would be almost like, you know, having a Kurt Angle first season and in, in wrestling. You know, you, you don't get too many of those. No. You do not. You absolutely do not. Well, with that being said, we are going to bring on our panel of wrestling minds. Uh, you know them as the butt, a.k.a. the ass man. You know them as Anton, the resident anarchist. And God you, damn it, Freeland. Uh, damn it, Freeland. And then you know uh, uh, Liam Savage, uh, who goes by many different names. Uh, Garage Car Willie is one of them. Um, I recycle nightly and uh, box it up. I'll take that to go. So there's a lot of his different names here. Uh, but he's going by another moniker tonight, <laughs> which, uh, wow, uh, it's pretty much all I'll say right now. So let me go ahead and let me bring him on here. Let me first bring on our first Canadian. He's the nice Canadian. He's the good Canadian. He's the one who brings sensibility to everything. We affectionately refer him to as the ass man, but you know what? He's always up here with us. Butster, how are you, buddy? I'm fan-fucking-tastic, gentlemen. Tonight has been the laugh I needed more than you possibly know. Seeing Mikey and Jerry on is just good for the soul. There's some good laughs as usual. Fantastic. I am over the moon. Happy. It's good well, stuff. It, it, it's funny because when you get those moments when it, it's like it feels what's old is new again, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. And it's been gosh, seven, eight months now since uh, the three of us have actually been on here. And it, it was cool. It was awesome. I'm glad it happened. And hopefully uh, that's a, a precursor to things to come, but we'll uh, we'll wait and see. But it's good to see you. I love that shirt, dude. That is, you've worn that Thank before. You. That's a killer shirt. It's a great shirt. <laughs> Speaking of, of expensive shirts, how much did that cost you? 
I don't remember. It we pry probably, probably expensive. We stuff. pry into Butts finances way too much. Everything is like we never ask anyone else on the show. What'd you pay for that? Well, I, fuck, I don't care. It's just but money. It, it's just money. It, I, it, I'll make it again. I'll make it again tomorrow. I'll spend it tomorrow evening. I'll make it the next day. You're just right. cash. Can't take it with you, man. That's right. Spend it. Enjoy it. Live life. Fuck it. Yeah, exactly. That's what I tell all the people uh, when I send my money to the casting couch. Uh, let's go ahead and let's bring on the res. buddy. That's right. It's <laughs> well spent, my friend. Well spent. Um, <laughs> That's what she said. Yeah, yeah. J-O-I, my friends. They call it joy. Hey, hey. Um, ECW fans definitely got it going on here. But has those movie checks starting to roll in? He d- Speaking of which, oh, where dude. is the renegade? Where is he? Where's Lorenzo Lamos? Where is that man? He's in the middle of doing some casting. Oh, he's okay. <laughs> we, we had a disagreement on, on the talent. <coughs> I understand that completely. I, I wasn't digging the meth head look. Yes. I, I told him he needs to work on that. Mm-hmm. I might not be employed much longer. Well, it's just the visa thing is not working out. I can't get across the border. I actually watched the northern border much better than the southern border, so it's harder to get across. Well, we don't even have a southern border at this point. Maybe if you fly to the southern border, then you can walk across. That's true. Hey, they're letting people in. It's like far as shit, though, from Texas to Pennsylvania. Who's picking me up? It is. Uh, I'm sure Uh, my uncle's coming from Dallas. In like yeah, a week. I ain't doing the fucking Greyhound. I didn't have Yeah, to. no. I just watch out for those horses and those straps, my friend. Those don't feel good. Did you say strap-ons? Whoa. There was that one time when I was hanging out with Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> wow. Well. Wow. Damn. Damn. Wow. Already starting out hot, my friend. Oh, Love sorry, it, boys. Let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and let's bring in Anton. Anton, you're looking good. I love the gold chain. I love the rep in the shirt. But the most important question is, how are you? Some technical issues in life, like not like with projects and computers and shit. Other than that, I'm good. Everything else is moving forward. I have some details to share with y'all later. Can't Uh, wait. Life's pretty fucking good, guys. Pretty fucking Indeed, good, and I like is. that Hillfro's over and our original cohorts were fucking here for a bit. That I nice know, thing. trust, and that was not planned. That was not it's, known. Precursor, extemporaneous. That just kind of happened. That wasn't X who? Ex <laughs> extemporaneous. Hey, hey, Spell just think. X temporaneous. But delicious. Hey, if you guys sit there and lo- thought and tonight was great, you just wait for four weeks for the, what, three-year anniversary be, show? Three-year anniversary show. It's going to be happening uh, right around Halloween. So Yes, and, and Freeland doesn't know everything that I have up my sleeve. Indeed, I don't. Hmm. Indeed, so. I do not, but it should be fun. Uh, All right, let's... Let, Let's. Hey, you know what? If if it's gonna be a Halloween episode, people should be able to dress up and do whatever they want. Let's go ahead and let's bring in uh, Garage Car Willie. Let's bring him on in here. He's going by the name of. (laughs) I I I think he misspelled his last name. I think it's supposed to be Heyman. I think it's supposed to be Heyman as well. But we're gonna let him clarify that for us. All right. So whoa, (laughs) whoa, wow! Look at this. Damn. Is it JFM man? JFM. That's all I can say. JFM. Yeah. Who the hell just, is that? 
just for men, baby. Oh, love it. Love you're looking good, yeah. my friend. What's what's <coughs> the what, what's the jacket logo? What's the jacket logo? Uh, it's a band called Death. Uh, if 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 uh, Jerry had a state on, there it is. Nice. If Jerry had a state on, he would have known all about it. But uh, you guys probably is not. It, yeah. yeah, we we probably don't. I'm a Linda Ronstadt fan. Is it that metal band that was just black dudes? Like there was a band called Death, and there was a band called Dead, and they were like a, an original metal band that didn't. No, that. No, the band called Death was the one from the '70s, and they were black guys from Detroit. And this band was all yeah, uh, white guys from Florida. So, okay, okay, good stuff. Black guys from Detroit, white guys from Florida. Love documentary. Yeah, didn't see that. Nice cross section of America, right there. There it is. So, who is still on board? If I bring on that one musical group, the the rappers. Um, nope. Ever- nope. Do it just so I can be an asshole. I can. I'll, I'll quit on the there. fucking spot. Nope. What? Wait, 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 wait! That's all it's gonna take, guys. That's all we need to do is to get rid of get rid of Buster Hyman. <laughs> we just need to bring them all. It's um, Warrack, Warrack, Warrack in the house. Yeah, I, the I just want to see a transport truck come right through the fucking yard, but those ass clowns are dancing around, what? and that cluster fuck of stupidity. Yep. Then back up and do it again. It's War Act, man. You can't you can't be hating on the War Act, man. Yeah, I can. It's not they even, are. That's not even music. They jump right. out of they jump out of sheds. Yeah, uh, they jump in front did, of a train. Did, did, oh my god! Did you terrible. introduce? This is terrible. Did you no. in, introduce them on the special Saturday edition? Was that yeah. when you introduced them? Yes, it's I did. Olympic Saturday but, but, edition. But, but, yeah. <laughs> is, is that also the same one that people can find in the archives of the Garlic Powder Challenge? Absolutely. If you would like to watch that cluster mess that was known as the Garlic Powder Challenge, why I agreed to that mess. Okay. That was good. That, <laughs> that was good. That but Saturday now, see, night. Now, I don't know if you, you recognize, Michael. Yeah. Last week, Kenny Omega shirt ahead on. You could have got, if you managed to keep if you managed to sort out that garlic powder fiasco, but you didn't. You well, so no, you didn't get a t-shirt. I didn't get the t-shirt. And I, I think what the deal was, was I was supposed to get that specific Kenny Omega shirt. And then Rit was going to buy, I forget what, what no, series I, I, it was. I, I was going to give you my series one Kenny Omega. Yeah, but I would you literally, literally would have given that to me? I, I'm a man of my word. I would have bought the, you that Wait, wait, t-shirt. wait. You're no, I, I trust Butt completely. But wait a minute. You would have given me the Kenny Omega action figure? Freeland, I am the man that is in a, uh, what do you want to call it? Some sort of... Financial peril because of your like, figures. Like, yes, like we know. No, 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 no. I'm talking about with uh, with Ms. Uh, PP Poopoo, my, my, my ring of the network with the boys in blue on my back. Oh, oh, yes, yes. Sorry, you had to. I had to jog my memory on that one. Yeah. yeah. So, if I'm a man of my word with the boys in blue, yeah. Why, why would I be you blue know, balls? My, uh, my word to you. You know what? Maybe I should. Maybe I should have it. We should have a challenge to redeem myself. I'm a degenerate gambler at times. Let's hey, do cool. something. Let's have some fun. Let's we should let's we should some we, shit. we should roll the dice on something and just see what happens. Mm-hmm. Ritz we could do a live with, remote of me and Bud at the uh, casino or something. That'd be fun. The you Magic got Falls Casino. Last time I went there, I lost a lot of money. Well, here's oh, the deal. 
Would you guys? Would you guys get a? Uh, in in, <laughs> I mean this no. in the nicest possible way. Probably not. No. When you went no. there, would you would you get a room like just like for you guys could like set up the camera? Suggesting? What are you suggesting? <laughs> we are not. Well, you're not. Doing, we're not. We're not going to drive. You're not going to drive home. You're not going to drive home that night. So you I guys. Don't, are, I don't swing that way. I'm sorry. Go, uh, go gamble, and you could have two twin beds. But would you guys do that so we could kind of have like a? I'm six foot two, two hundred and seventy pounds. You think I do a fucking twin bed? Are you fucked? No, no. no I'd your sleep own in the bed. bed of my pickup truck first. Are you saying? Yeah. Are you basically saying that you would not share a hotel room if it's separate beds with with uh, Buster Hyman? If they're like not vertically challenged size beds, like I'm not sky low low. <laughs> I am. I can't live in one of those little ass beds. He was a midget. You can't say. You can't say that. Why can't you say midget anymore? Because I don't. Little people. It upsets people. It's PC culture. Figure it out, Freeland. Fuck. If anybody should know about PC culture, it's me. Getting fired. (laughs) I was going to say as he continues to tweet. Did you get fired? Me? I wish. Yeah, from writing for one article. Yeah. Oh yeah, off that website when I uh, wrote, I, I wrote something on Facebook that had nothing to do with the website I was writing for, and uh, some people, the editor on the music website, got uh, upset about it, and uh, then he uh, turfed me, so I got canceled. Is he a twink? Was he a twink? but that's. I don't know if he was a twink, but uh, he was a little, he was a little too sensitive, I think. To music website. So. What's a twink? Like a twinkie? <laughs> It's not. Yeah, what exactly is this? like a twink. No, dog. No, hold on, hold on. My whole it, and it's not an obsession either. It's if yes, if Mike. the podcast ever got invited to a convention, the whole thought process was to conserve my to save money. Would Jerry, myself, and Mikey share a room together? And Mikey said, under no circumstances would he ever share a room with me, which I don't think is true. <laughs> I think he would share oh, a room with me. I, I think, think he would. Jerry said he would share a room with me. Because Jerry's nice. But Mikey just says exactly what he thinks. And he's just like, yeah, fuck that. And he, you know, it's because you have this way of going about it. It's like, you know, you want to ask like perverted questions, but you have this like kind of veiled, you know, way of doing it where you're like. It's not perverted questions. Well, uh, sharing a room. You want me and Buster (laughs) Hyman to share a room and show you a video. Hold on. What did you say? This is not OnlyFans. Hold on. (laughs) Showing who a video? You said you wanted Buster Hyman and myself to yes. share a room and send you a video. Right. Yep. Like live stream. Yeah, so, that's not right. That's... So Buster Hyman said that you guys would, would go to a casino, right? I'd you go could to go a, to. Yeah, sure. you would both go. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Chicken bar. So you guys could go to the casino, right? Mm-hmm. After you're done at the casino, you guys could probably throw a few drinks back and then do a live stream oh, from your yeah. room. So it could be like. You're both there. Okay. Wow. Mm. Thanks for no selling all of this, you big shit bags. My God, everybody no else. Problem. Man. Okay. And, and just the whole you no know, sharing a room to save money. Hotel rooms in the States are dirt cheap. Hold on one yeah. second. Don't be so we did. fucking cheap. We absolutely had a, a great time seeing you guys. Hopefully, we'll see you guys more. It was Come awesome. Come back, Mikey. Come back. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So let's get the butt here real quick. What do you mean they're, they're dirt cheap? A good hotel room is like 125 a night. 
Oh, sweet baby Jesus, do you refinance the house? Well, well how yeah. much do you pay? How much do you pay for a average hotel? I'm not the talking last motel. Hotel I got in Toronto, I paid almost three hundred a night downtown. Holy shit. Where are you on fucking Eglinton or something? No, I was right by Skydome. Yeah, were you hanging by uh, Eglinton? That's a fucking popular street for you, and if you had culture, <laughs> you would know this. And if you did your homework, you'd know all five fucking Great Lakes. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. You guys can all take your Great Lakes and shove them. Shut it. You can't shove a Great Lake for you. Yeah, that's you I'm, sure you're, I'm sure your a-hole's big enough to put a lake <laughs> in. Some shoes. My God. Why are you thinking about my a-hole? <laughs> I'm just saying, hey, it's a Tuesday night. What do you think? I know. You want to do a colonic with the Great Lakes and my a-hole. I get it. It's not happening. I'm not getting wet and wild with you. I'm not into water sports. I'm sorry, okay? First Take of all, fantasy somewhere else. <laughs> first of all, hold on, Rick. Did you know that Lake on and he's gonna say yes to this because he's just gonna join in with everyone else, but be honest, you, Rick. Did you know what all the five Great Lakes were if you could name them? Did you know that? Ontario, Michigan. Oh, you 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 Huron, schmuck. You Erie, are such a schmuck. You went right for the first one. Good man. See, he he's knows right. stuff. Because yep. I, it's because I'm American. Yeah, but you're not acting like a stereotypical American like Freeland. Oh, you're acting like go. a real American, like Hulk Hogan. Freeland bays the Great Lakes. Lakes he still needs help. Wow! Come on back, Mikey. We need you on here. Come on! Wow! My first wow. wedding ring is at the bottom of Lake Ontario. Your Who wedding ring. Yep. Yours I is? Lost, I lost it. Duck hunting. Really? Holy oh, <laughs> shit. Three months after we got married, it went over like a lead balloon. Oh, oh, how much shit were you in? Yeah, how bad did that get? Yeah, it wasn't good. <laughs> you know, it was not I, good. That's what I wanted to ask Jerry about live on the air. I told you, Freeland, that Jerry lost his wedding ring at that uh, celebrity... AEW softball, softball game, yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Was that a shoot or a work? No, oh, that, that, that was that was legit. He that was, was legit. He was sitting there and, and mm -hmm. uh, they found it, and he's like, "Man, the first thing, first person I called when I didn't have it is I called Pam." I'm like, "Smart man, smart man." Yeah, I sent the text message. <laughs> yeah, I'm on Wolf Island and I lost my wedding ring. Should I come home? Should I should I come, come home? home? Should I come home? She didn't answer. Wow. I didn't go home. Rightly so. <laughs> no. All right. So let's kind of get into some topics that I found to be very interesting. Um, I went ahead and I Ooh. sent you guys the articles from these. So let's kind of jump right into this first one here. Um, it surrounds Adam Cole in the WWE. And evidently, when Adam Cole's contract was going to be up, they were going to renegotiate. Obviously, it was coming up uh, a lot more sooner than people had expected. However, they started discussing him going to the main roster. Well, it wasn't just that. They were thinking about um, changing his look, specifically his hair. Adam Cole also went on to mention that they were looking to potentially change his name. And there was a potential that he may be a manager. So... Um, now, guys, that we know all of this information, and it's not just, hey, we're going to take Adam Cole, put him on one of the rosters and see what happens, see if he gets over with the crowd. We're looking to make all these changes. 
Can you understand now a little bit more as to why he may have decided to go with AEW instead of saying with WWE? Let's uh, let's first throw it to uh, let's throw it to Anton first. Anton, what's your take on the new revelations with Adam Cole, baby? So uh, I heard some shit that they wanted to call him Adam Boom, which is hilarious in itself because they already have a Cole because of Michael Cole, like. You can't tell the fucking goddamn difference between Michael Cole and Adam Cole, motherfuckers. I know. Like, shit. I so, can't. Let's start there. Yeah, no, okay. You know, but same thing with the Shane Helms back in the day. He had to quit being Shane Helms and had to be Hurricane Helms and then eventually Gregory Helms because of Shane McMahon. It's like you really don't expect people to differentiate. Like, motherfuck, dude. But well, they. If you were going to be a manager in a time in which they don't really use managers. It just none of it made sense to me, and it totally is reasons why I'd be like, "Fuck this, I'm out." I, yeah, I get it. I fucking get it, dude. Money or not, that just doesn't seem to pass the smell test, even to any reasonably um, thinking individual of why someone would make these changes. But let me throw it to you: changing someone's look is one thing that we've seen before in wrestling. Changing someone's name, not so much, but it's still a little weird, especially when someone spent 13 years calling themselves something. But completely switching them from a wrestler to now strictly a manager, what would you have said if you were in Adam Cole's shoes? Go fuck yourself. Fuck your hat. That's what I would have said. That's ridiculous. Well, well I mean, he, he's built a career right. as Adam Cole, the wrestler. If he's getting bent out of shape about cutting his hair, I don't dig that. I think that might be a bit foolish. But if they want to change him from a wrestler to a manager and change his name and all that stuff, no. Not a chance in hell. Why? What's? Why would you want to do that? Cole's a great wrestler. You don't turn him into a manager right now. You know, when he's old and beat up, you pull the Mr. Fuji trick and then you have him do it, but not right now. He's not Jim Cornette, somebody who's got no athletic ability. Adam Cole's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I think if you what, like we said before, changing someone's look is not necessarily uncommon. Jim Hur did it with Ric Flair. There are a lot of people who've had people cut their hair. Um, it, it, obviously, we saw uh, Frankie Monet now is the name that she goes by in WWE. But before that, she was Taya Valkyrie. Before that. Um, what was she in Lucha Underground? She was something else as well. Was yeah, she still Valkyrie? Didn't watch it, but can't help you. Never watched. It. Okay, Never I feel that. like the yeah the name changing changes, but sometimes it kind of stays in that same ballpark of what it was. Usually, it's like a spinoff of something. But to completely say we're going to take someone off the roster, you are off the main roster, and now you are being a manager. To me, that would be the biggest slap in the face. Let's throw it over to uh, to Buster. Um, that's that's harsh. I mean, there's no way to, to uh, mince words here. You're now just a manager. What would your take? <clears throat> did he actually? Um, did he actually say this stuff? This like, was yes. Even... Yeah. Okay. This well, was just... also re... no. Just because I'm also trying to clarify several things. Okay, because I'm I'm just trying to clarify because. Uh, the last time I heard that they did the whole saying about him being a manager, if he was called up, uh, he then clarified saying, I had no prior knowledge of that whatsoever. And all these people were reporting it. So who knows, right? 
it's wrestling media, you know, you, it's like take everything with a pinch of salt or a pound True. of salt. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's probably like everybody was thinking that when he was in NXT, they were like, well, if he goes up to the main roster and Michael Cole's announcing, uh, how's that going to work out? Because you know how Vince is, right? So uh, that's one of the things you have to think about is like you already knew he was going to be probably saddled if he went up to the main roster with what? Well, you know, if all these things are true, then yeah, that he had a uphill battle. And um, everything I heard, like I heard a podcast with him and uh, Renee Paquette the other day, and he had everything great to say. Kind of like Brian Danielson, he's going, he's you know leaving there with his head held high and saying really nice things and all that. Uh, I didn't hear anything on there. I guess it came out, you know, in the last couple of days or something. But he uh, he has every right to not go there if that's what he's going to be saddled with because that's fucking stupid. Uh, he's got talent. He's not my favorite in the world, like I've said before, but you know, he's got a lot of talent and if they were going to saddle him with all these stupid little side gimmicks, it's just kind of pointless. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you as well. Um, it often confuses me the way the thought process goes when it comes to the WWE. And, and what I mean by that is it seems like a lot of decisions, even though I'm not on the inside and, and none of us are, it seems very odd from a, viewer's perspective you know what precipitated you to do this what precipitated you to do this and i think a lot of us who are fairly logically thinking individuals would honestly say a does not go directly to b it goes a r q l n and then back to b and it's a very weird way of going about doing things we don't get it um and I'm surprised it hasn't bitten them more than it has, to be honest with you, because their ratings still for Friday nights, they're not bad at all. Uh, SmackDown wow. seems to be obviously the flagship of the company as of right now. I, I did not see what Raw's overnight ratings did, but I'm still sure they're pulling at least solid twos. Um, once again, it's not what it used to be by any stretch of the imagination, but I mean, it's not completely tankable right now. Do we think AEW will ever get to raw numbers? Le le legit. No nonsense. No bullshit. No. Well, will let's, they ever get there or are they always going to be the second fiddle? Let's throw this second. out here to you guys. Let's also throw it out to the chat. I put this as a poll question. Do you think, and I said by the end of 2022, do we think that they will pull numbers that are comparable, if not better than Monday Night Raw or SmackDown. Um, and I'm not talking about Rampage. Rampage is, 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 I'm talking Dynamite. So will Dynamite pull Raw numbers? And I personally think they will. Uh, love to get your feedback in the chat as well. Mitchie Blaze jumps in. He says, I think so. Um, let's go ahead and let's ask, uh, let's ask Anton. Do you think we're going to see that? Or do you think, unfortunately, no matter how high AEW gets, there is that, there's that glass ceiling right here where, WWE is just, they're the Betty Crocker of wrestling. They're, people are going to tune in just because they know the name. So branding definitely does make a difference and a standpoint, especially with older people who are strictly sucked into it or kids. I believe that fully because, you know, name brand, Band-Aid, Kleenex, etc. Just some things people associate. I think if they continue what they're doing, though, and continue to focus on just being different and alternative and not WCW light or WWE light for that matter, there is nice momentum being built. I do think it'll take a little longer than 2022, but 
WCW proved that they are beatable under the right circumstances. And I do understand a different time period, but we're seeing more competition for, you know, notice the air quotes, but for lack of a better term, TNA, even at their fucking peak of everything, didn't even come close, didn't touch it. So there, there, it is a possibility. Do I think it's going to happen by 2022? No, I'd say 23, 24, 25, like give them, give them time. But if they keep doing what the fuck they're doing and focus on them, focus on building homegrown stars and et cetera. Yeah. You know, again, it's going to take the right series of circumstances. You know, WWE has to continue to shit the bed. You know, it's not one thing. It's many. It's not a direct answer, but it, it is a possibility, you know, and I'm not trying to just kiss ass or sugarcoat it. It's going to take some work, some serious fucking work, but never say never. It's not impossible. Um, Mitchie Blaze says, I'll give it 16 months once the debuts and returns settle in and storylines will start seeing the numbers going up again. Mitchie, thank you so much for your comments. Um, I, I agree. I do think they're going to be able to rival whatever a Monday Night Raw is able to draw. And the reason why I say that is because I personally feel like the people that they have, I think with Adam Page, I think Adam Page is definitely going to be somebody that is going to be a God. huge uh cornerstone for AEW. I really honest to God believe that. I believe um John Silver and Alex Reynolds um are in a phenomenal tag team. I think they should be getting a push to get more into the tag team mix. I know injuries has affected them, but I think they're a great act. Um I still think the Orange Cassidy thing can work. I think it's fun when it's used correctly, sparingly. I think the women's division is really going to start bumping itself up as well. So I, I would say I'm still sticking by the end of 2022 that we're going to see close to being comparable with each other, close to being comparable. Some people may say that's pie in the sky, but you know what? That's the beauty of wrestling. You just got to stay tuned each and every week to find out what is going to happen because we may find a new star in AEW Dark that really takes over. You know, I was not a big fan of uh, Jade Cargill for a, a long while. And now I'm starting to understand a little bit more about her. And I think she literally could be AEW's mm. version. Don't don't shit me on this one. Of, of Charlotte. Of Charlotte. Christ almighty. I'm telling I you. Liam. I agree with Liam. China. If done properly, China. Yeah. And if you, it, like, what are you drinking if you think she's going to be anywhere close to Charlotte? Like. No Who's offense, man, but holy shit! But, like that—that's no. that's, uh, ap apples and pomegranates right there. Right, but I'm just saying she's awfully young. She's awfully new. She's incredibly athletic. I think she's, she's got. Yeah. She, hey, give her some time. Give her some time. No, she. You know what? She's got lots of potential. Lots. I will not deny that at all. Uh, if like her first match was actually for her, for someone that's like their first match, pretty decent. Mm -hmm. You know, and. I can't see why there isn't lots of potential there. If you see how good she was in the first match, yeah, a lot of smoke and mirrors, I get it. But, I mean, there's lots to build on there. But if you're at all trying to compare her to she, legit one of the best wrestlers in North America right now... I'm saying I, she could be. Yeah, but, I mean, even that, it, it, it just it goes, it goes with the whole AEW can rival WWE. I, I don't think they will anytime soon, just because... Do you think they will it's, at some point? Uh, it, five years, maybe. 
I don't I don't see it happening because it just just in the immediate future just because um, look at it in the scenario like okay when people say oh I'm really into mixed martial arts and they go oh like UFC okay oh I, I'm really into wrestling oh like that Hulk Hogan fake stuff yep uh, oh I want I want I want a soft drink oh I'll give you a coke okay these are all brand things now when you think wrestling anybody out there, will think WWE. You might get two or three percent, no offense to AEW, that will not that will say AEW, but that's it because they haven't penetrated the market properly. And that's not their fault. They're a new company. So you're, pro- you're, no, are you basically saying are you basically saying if they are able to successfully penetrate the market with marketing and advertising and all this kind of stuff and really being able to continue to put out good shows, then you think that they could potentially do it, but not well, based upon where they are now, as far as the well, way they are branding their product. Right, like with certain, if, if they do it the right way, because, and and I'm not trying to diminish them because they are doing a lot better. Uh, and that for me to say that, and you think I absolutely <laughs> hate them, I want to burn their headquarters down, but I don't. But you know, for them to be uh, where they are right now, and for WWE to be where they are. They, if you go back to 1995 and see how it's working, you can see some definite parallels, and I don't even have to tell you what I'm talking about, because you know. So my point is, and I'm not saying it'll go that way, but if you sign all the big talent and you hotshot certain things, it's going to go almost the exact same way. WWE will just step back, okay, let's just bide our time, and then start coming up with better ideas, and next thing you know, game over. And I'm not saying that will happen, but it's a fine line. But the one thing WWE needs to do on their part is they need to develop new stars, and that's where they absolutely fail. They were able to develop, obviously, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, Triple H. They brought in some more veteran people like Mick Foley. Um, They brought in a veteran, which is Paul White, who had already been wrestling in in WCW for quite some time. So they did bring in some people and rebrand them as well. But they haven't really built a brand new group of people to come in. Think about this. NXT was supposed to be the future of what the WWE was going to be. The Tommaso Ciampa's, Johnny Gorgano's, obviously the Adam Cole's, um, the Undisputed Era's, uh, Bronson Reed, all of these guys. And that never really came to fruition. So if that is considered your developmental territory and none of these people have really shook out on the main roster, you have to start thinking about if they can't have a good quote unquote developmental where they can, you know, uh, recruit people to come up, then they're not going to necessarily have a future. They're going to continue to rely on people who've already been around for forever, such as your edges, such as your uh, Seth Rollins. How long are they going to work with um, Brock Lesnar still? They're still bringing around Goldberg. He's going to be around again. Is How long does Roman Reigns have as far as being a top guy still? So there's a lot of things that you got to think about. Who are they going to start sh- shuffling into the fold to start building for the next five years, the next 10 years? And right now, I don't see anybody on either Raw or SmackDown that is young, new, fresh, and has the ability within the next 12 to 18 months to be headlining a pay-per-view. Yeah, and, they, and they're not. You have. Sorry, Liam. I, I no, it's okay. It's okay. No, I was. I was just going to say they're not. They're not stupid. They're hitting the reset button now, and that's smart on their part. Very smart. And they're getting back to basics. And they're 
their ratings are doing better than Rampage right now for NXT. So that's that's got to tell you something. Obviously, people are interested to see. Okay, it's a reboot. Let's see what we got. Uh, this will be our day one. Let's let's try to follow this and see if we're going to get somewhere in it. And if they fuck it up, they fuck it up, right? But uh, at least fans are trying to give them one more chance. So that's something at least. We'll see what happens. We'll see if if uh, NXT 2.0 is really going to be something that people latch on to. Um, I personally, this is the way I would have handled NXT. It's Triple H. Leave him alone. No one else gets involved. He is the Vince McMahon of the brand. No one else has any say-so other than him. And he runs the place like it's his. Don't need to rebrand it. Don't need to go 2.0. However, what happens is Vince gets his hands on something and it turns into main roster stuff. So, interesting. All right. So, we we talked about the Adam Cole stuff. Obviously, we did talk a little bit about um, the future where we see some of these ratings going as far as TV is concerned. I do want to ask you guys this question again. maybe not necessarily on one of our main topics, but did anybody get a chance to catch extreme rules or to catch some of the highlights or to read anything what happened on it? I watched half of it, a little better than half. We'll throw it to the butt first. But what you saw, what did you think about extreme rules? What was your take on that? Were you entertained? Did you enjoy it? Uh, What's your thoughts? Didn't care for it. Uh, The Alexa Bliss torn up doll thing was dumb beyond dumb that was stupid why that's just i don't know what the hell that is beyond childish just foolishness for i watched up until that match and then i went to bed it it didn't do anything for me at that point i don't know if it got better i don't care it's not drawing my attention i i gave it an honest try at that point, it wasn't enough to make me want to say, hey, I'll keep watching this. So I just turned it off and went to bed. Now, but have you heard that the 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 latest news that's come out is that that was the – that was probably going to be the end of the whole doll Alexa Bliss connection to Bray Wyatt type of moniker that she's using. They're going to be taking her into a new direction with a new character, and they're going to kind of let uh, – let everyone's palate kind of, you know, um, I don't even know, just kind of cleanse their palates of this whole aspect of her. And they're going to bring her back in, I want to say, two to three months, which probably would put her somewhere around Survivor Series is when she would return. Do you think that she is somebody that you can repackage and, and reprocess her again? Or do you think some people, they just keep that, it just sticks with them. Unfortunately, they can never quite shake what they're, prior persona was oh no you you could repackage her for sure i mean she's talented she can wrestle and she's a pretty young girl Mm -hmm. so you you can repackage her 10 different ways i don't know why you would give up her gimmick is not bad i don't mind her gimmick i just think the whole tearing up the doll and her in the middle of the ring pouting and stuff it doesn't do it for me right but you could repackage her into something else. And I think she she's talented. She can do something good. Right? I, I like her. Give her a chance. That gimmick wasn't bad, though. I don't think that gimmick was the issue. If anything, like you said, they're getting away from the Bray Wyatt thing. That's more of a slight against Bray. Hey, Bray's gone. This gimmick is done. Let's move on from it. I don't agree with that. 
so much because she could have ran with that a bit. They just had it in. If this is truly the end, I hadn't heard that. It's pretty shitty. What was the name of the wrestler? And I can't even remember who it was. But when they would lose matches, they they threw the temper tantrum in the ring. God, what was oh, Mojo Raleigh? Not I don't Christian. think it was. Jericho. Oh, Jericho, I think. Yeah. It was Jericho that would throw the big temper tantrums in the Both ring, them. right? Both of them. Christian as well, right? Mm-hmm. Christian too, though. Before he cut his hair and before the un-American stuff. Yeah, he went on a spree and when he lost, he would throw the temper tantrum. And Jericho and WCW tearing up Dave Penzer's suit and shit like that. Al Snow as well in WWF before he uh, went to ECW. Mm-hmm. So it seems like it's been it's been a, um, a formula that's been used before, but I mean, I think I agree with Butt when it comes to the fact that I think she can be utilized in a better capacity. I don't think the gimmick was necessarily god-awful, but I do say the whole doll aspect of it, creeping people out, the doll's eyes allegedly moving on screen and all this other kind of stuff, it became a little too hokey for, for a lot of people to believe. And we should probably let her talent tell the story of who she is and whether or not we like her or not, not necessarily based upon what creative is, is pegged her with. I like the doll gimmick. It, that's something that can be used. It just, it got all twisted up. The big issue was Bray left. And that's right. what threw it all into a tailspin. And unfortunately, which happens so often in WWE, they didn't know how to adapt to it. And they just said, Fuck it. We'll just ride it along for a bit, bury it, and move on. What was the name of the doll that the Road Warriors they incorporated with the Road Chucky. Warriors? Chucky. No. Was it Chuck? Uh, no. Rocco. It was Rocco. Rocco. Rock, well, same Rocco. thing. Whatever. Gary. Rocco. I didn't know that. Yeah. So do you remember the Road Warriors? I want to say it was in 92, I want to say, especially when they went into SummerSlam yeah. with the motorcycles. They had uh, Rocco. Yeah. That didn't quite work out so well. I, I, I just never saw the Road Warriors being a, a puppet act, uh, no. especially not Paul Ellering either. But for whatever reason, Creative decided that they wanted to incorporate the puppet. I believe that's on a Pritchard episode uh, where they talk about why the puppet came to be a part of it. So you have to check that out. Yeah, but that's dumb. You don't have the Road Warriors <laughs> doing a goddamn doll gimmick. No, I agree completely. That is foolish. That just doesn't jive. Um, you, you have, you have arguably one of the most barbaric, badass tag teams of all time, and then you have a Cabbage Patch doll with them. Like it, it just, it doesn't they were, work out. They would have been better off shooting a cameo than beating up a hobo in a fucking alley than having <laughs> with a doll. That's just foolish. That would have at least wasn't making. That would have been realistic. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. the thing. They're bad yeah. dudes. They will kick your teeth on your throat. Hey, look at my doll. Well, they were yeah, bounce, they so were bouncers much. like you. Like that that would have worked. Them just beating the shit out of a hobo. It would have worked. Yeah. Right or wrong. It would have worked. worked. Especially in 92, 90, oh. 91. Any yeah. decent bouncer you know has beat up a hobo at least once. You can beat up a hobo. You, you can't you can't uh, beat up a midget. A couple though. times. <laughs> Man, when when a midget goes into a bar, do they get cut off? Like, like how early do they get cut off? Like, do they have do they have miniature beer glasses like that? Do you know what yeah, I mean? Called shot glasses. Do they come with like little straws that bend? <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe that sounds really wrong. 
they're called shot glasses. <laughs> do they do they offer them chicken fingers with every single every single drink? Wow. You're going to hell. Would You're you, a heartless prick, are you? Holy yeah. shit. Would you like some honey mustard with that? No, um, but you do give them booster seats. No. Nah. So you can get to the top. Boom. Just like McDonald's, yeah. Great. My gosh, send them down the slide. All right, so let's go ahead and let's jump into another topic I find to be very, very interesting. Um, it's the Brody Lee documentary that's going to be coming out. Uh, as many of you know, Brody Lee was one of um, the most likable wrestlers, uh, not only in WWE, but his time in the Indies as well. He had performed in so many different promotions. And then we know that when the Wyatt family is getting broken up, he, Eric Rowan, they obviously were let go, um, or Eric Redbeard, as he's known now on the independent scene. Brody Lee eventually made his way over to AEW. He was the leader of the Dark Order, and the Dark Order is really, really getting over with Mr. Brody Lee. Unfortunately, uh, Mr. Brody Lee did end up passing away, and it shocked the wrestling world. Well, now we're finding out that they have been working on a Brody Lee documentary, and that is going to be debuting tomorrow night in his hometown. Uh, what have you guys heard about the Brody Lee documentary? And has anybody found out if there's going to be any streaming services that may pick this up? Uh, I didn't know anything about it till today, till you sent out yeah. the topics. Honestly, yeah, I, I'm Same. intrigued by it for sure. I hope it gets released on somebody, Crave, Netflix, whoever the hell, Prime. I don't care. Somebody, I would like to see it. Um. He's one of those guys you never heard a bad word said about. Yeah. Like, nobody's ever come out and said, Brody Lee's a fucking scumbag. Nobody's well, you also it. probably would never do that in front of Brody Lee because I'm quite sure, much like um, a bruiser Brody or whatnot, he just had that that presence about him. That Yeah, but the wrestling industry, are, well, a lot of them are pricks. Yeah, we're buddies face-to-face. They get behind his back, but I didn't care for that guy. But you've yeah. never heard anything bad said. No backstage bullshit. No being a prick to the fans. No nothing. You've literally never heard a bad word said about the man. Right? Yeah, That's got to say something for it. If you've never crossed anybody to come out and say, I didn't like him, you are a saint. Right? That's a rarity in this world. Not just in the wrestling world, in society in general. We've all crossed somebody who thinks we're a piece of trash and hates our guts. Everybody has. That's just the way it is. But you've never heard <coughs> anything bad about Brody Lee. Yeah. What does that say about him? The man, he, he was just a beautiful person. Yep. Right. He, he, I mean, I, I don't know him. I would love to, to know the man. I mean, never will. But he just seems like he was just a beautiful person who did nothing bad, who was a joy to be around. We all know the talent that he had. But at the end of the day, that's irrelevant compared to the person he was. We right. all knew him because of his talent. But he just seemed to be just a good human being. And that's what matters most. So, I mean, for, for regards to his documentary, I want to see it. I'd love to see it. There's got to be a way, I'm sure. Even if I got to buy the DVD, so be it. Yeah, so that's obviously going to be um, debuting tomorrow night, which would be interesting because 
Um, there's a lot of things that are allegedly going to be happening uh, tomorrow night. Um, obviously, that'll lead us into our, our next topic as well. But any other comments on the Brody Lee documentary? Do you feel like um, do you feel like he would be somebody who at some point in time, and I know obviously because he worked for AEW, but he, they would ever put him in the WWE Hall of Fame? Uh, for being tag team champions, intercontinental champion, all that kind of stuff, part of a really big faction, or do you think probably no. not? Too small of a sample size. He wasn't around long enough. Uh, the Wyatt family, they were red hot, but it wasn't a long-term thing. Mm-hmm. The Bludgeon Brothers wasn't a long-term thing. Unfortunately, I I don't see it happen. No. Yeah. Interesting. Like um, no. I want to answer a question here that uh, Jack the Game Time Lord had mentioned before, and I missed it, and I want to get no, here. Um, I was going to bring it up. And yes. uh, also, Boog, ha- Boog and Travis both had some good comments throughout the last couple of sections that I enjoyed. Boog said something about, uh, what was it? Where'd it go? It uh, Game group chat. He uh, said something about what about the last two episodes of Dark Side affecting WWE, especially with cancel culture. And uh, Travis said most people who aren't into wrestling still say WWF because that's how little they followed in the last 20 years. And Boog said that's the thing. In the 90s, the 90s had talent. WWE is struggling with that right now. And these are great comments that are are accurate, especially in this day and age that I just wanted to bring in. And But the thing about the Owen Hart Cup from Jack and Jake, yeah, Jack, I'm wanting to know our versatile opinions on it. Uh, who wants to go first? I'll, let's go ahead and let's start with you first. Well, I'm all for it, actually. As much as it sucks that, uh, you know, he's never going to be in the Hall of Fame for all he did and all he inspired and et cetera, it, and which I get why. Like, I truly get why Martha's like, fuck you, nope. You know, it, it comes down to her personal perspective and the vendetta that she holds against the whole situation, which I can't fault her for. She feels wrestling took her husband. Get it. Fully get it. But the fact that she finally got comfortable enough to allow his image to be used for him to be in a video game, for him to be an action figure again, 20 some odd years after his death, that she vetted them enough that she feels they're genuinely good people and that she feels his image and such will be protected there in a company that he never worked for. You know, but he's obviously inspired people from Jericho down the line. I kind of think it's cool as shit if they truly make it a big deal and push the Owen, as they want to call it, as being a big thing and as a title, not a title, and it be a reoccurring yearly thing. Kind of think it's cool as shit. But just from a legacy standpoint, you know, they're trying to legitimize their company by, you know, using a name that was never there, but with the blessing of his family and they've used his brother for something. So that's cool. That helps bridge that gap. It's different. It's weird because he never worked there, but it's with his wife's blessing and his kid's blessing. And, you know, y'all know how important Owen Hart was. So for him to finally get to be included in the world of wrestling again, 20 some odd years after his death, even if it's with a different company, it's fucking beautiful in so many ways because we get to see another era of wrestling fans fall in love with the work of Owen Hart. No, I think you're right. And I think there's a lot of people, and I think Jericho probably had a big thing to do with it. Jericho being Canadian as well. Jericho being widely respected um, for his work in professional wrestling. I think Tony Khan, the person that he is, um, is very focused on caring about the wrestlers themselves. I think that's a big deal. I think Christian obviously probably had 
some 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 say in expressing his opinions as well. I'm sure Kenny Omega mentioned how much of a uh, fan he was of Owen Hart as well. So I think when you have a lot of countrymen speak up about this and say how much they appreciated what Owen did and the fact that he does need to be recognized. If if his family doesn't want him to be recognized in the WWE, then we need to find a way to do it for him. And I think this is great. And like Anton said, as long as it's done the right way and it's something that can introduce people to who he was as a wrestler. And if they get any kind of rights to any footage, they could play that as well. I think that would be really cool. Let's throw it the butt here. Um, we talked about this before, but the, the Owen Hart cup, are you in favor of it? If done properly, I don't want to see Owen Hart pictures plastered everywhere with AEW across his chest because it never happened. I, I get that they're, they're paying homage to him, which he deserves. I wish things were different with the, his family and WWE because that's who should be doing something like this. I would be happier if it was that versus AEW. However, I am happy he's going to get the recognition he deserves. It's just got to be done a specific way. It can't be a AEW presents the Owen Hart Cup heavily pushed by AEW, even though it is their promotion, don't get me wrong. I know that might not make sense how I'm wording it. Just he was never an AEW guy. Right. Uh, Owen had gone to the other side long before AEW was ever thought of. So you got to be careful where you go with it there. You know, you're paying respects to him, which he 100% deserves. I'm all for it. Get out the figures, you know, get out the, your T-shirts or whatever various merch. Hopefully all going to a good cause. I'm all for that. I just... I know myself, I mean, I'm a figure guy. You guys know that. I would love an Owen Hart figure. But if it ends up being something with, like, Owen Hart with an AEW logo on his trunks or something, I'm not interested in that. No, I, I don't think they would ever go to the point where they would try to take credit for him being an AEW guy. I think what I they would not. do is it would be kind of like the, the Andre the Giant Memorial Cup that they have at WrestleMania. Even though Andre was a WWE guy, he was very much an AWA guy as well. He was much um, in a lot of different territories. He was very much in Japan as well. I think the North American audience from 85 to, and he really wasn't in WWE super long. I mean, he was in WWE for what, six years tops. Uh, he had a career well, before that and he had a career not so uh, advertised after that as well. When he went down, I think he did some stuff in Mexico as well um, when he was aging. And there's some pictures of that, that it's just sad, but mm -hmm. he has done other things as well. Let's throw it to, uh, to Liam, AKA Buster um, your take on this. I mean, we we kind of hashed this out a few, a few weeks ago about this and done right. Focusing on the memory of Owen, focusing on the memory of a wrestler that is gone, who paved the way for a lot of other countrymen, a lot of other Canadian wrestlers. Do you think that would be putting it in the right light in any proceeds from the Owen, as they are calling it, go to the Owen Hart Foundation? Yeah, it, it's um, everything 
to do this is with good intentions. And um, I think we can look at, say, you know, like Tony Khan. He's, I don't think anybody's not going to say he is a very good person who tries to do the best he can to make things better in professional wrestling. He really does. We can't deny that. He's a good person. Um, but for me, it just kind of, it's, it's like bizarro world, you know? It's like Owen Hart and AEW, but he wasn't in AEW, but it's like Bot was saying, like, there'll be the logo there, and it's just, and he'll, there'll be a figure of him with the AEW logo on the box, and on the video game, and it's just, it's, I, I just, I don't know, it, that does, that's just weird to me, um, but we also know the fact that he'll never be in WWE's existence. Ever. Like, it won't happen. As far as being recognized. People can bring him up from time to time, they can show highlight packages, but he's not going to be um, endorsed by the Hart family, uh, mostly Martha and the kids. And that's understandable, like I said before. But I don't have any problem with this concept. I really don't. Uh, the thing for me is, just like I said, it's it's with um, the fact that he is being celebrated with a company that he was never associated with, not even one bit. And, you know, they're, like I said, good intentions, but it's just it's just a little weird. And then you have all the... You have all the trolls online that are kind of doing their thing that are saying, oh, well, this is Tony Khan trying to stick it to WWE. Yeah, look what I could do. You never could do this and all that, which is, it's stupid. You know, like, he's just trying to do a good thing. It's just kind of, it's just kind of odd. It's just kind of one of those things you never would have thought. You know, you're like, oh, yeah, you think you're going to celebrate Owen Hart and AEW with a big kind of campaign? Nah. And then look, you know, so I don't know. It's just my thought. No, 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 no. I agree with you completely. Um, Jack the Game Lord throws another comment in that I think is interesting. He says, well, Dusty Rhodes is going to be in the AEW game. His figure will be made, but he never got to see what his sons had done, which I think is very interesting as well. Um, That's that's a bit different, though, just because of the the Rhodes name, though, because his two sons are are there and his uh, sister is a daughter-in-law, right? So, I mean... That makes some sense, not totally, but it makes a bit more sense than Owen Hart. Like I said right. before, the only only tie Owen Hart has to the company is Bret Hart bringing out the AEW title for the first time. That's the only tie. That's right. it, that's, and that's heard, very, very low. You know, I haven't heard anything about these figures and, and the game and stuff. I don't know if I'm maybe out of the loop, not following too much. Like I know they're making a game and stuff, but I haven't. It's heard like a about, downloadable about character, Dusty I think. Being on. Yeah. Or, or Owen being on, and I haven't heard about um, um Dusty coming out as a as an action figure. I'm all for it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm going to get that. And Owen, I'll go through hell and high water. I mean, I'll pay top dollar for that fucking thing. But I hadn't heard all this stuff, so some of this is fairly new to me. Um, I think it'll be, I think it'll be interesting to see if some of these things come to fruition. Obviously, once yep. again, we're hearing a lot of things. But as we all know in wrestling, you always hear a lot of things, and it, you got to wait to see if it actually ends up rubber meeting the asphalt. Um, 
Interesting, interesting, interesting discussion. Good job on that one, gentlemen. Um, my next one is kind of related to the Alexa Bliss situation and kind of the Brody Lee situation. Um, and it's going to be about Bray Wyatt. So right now, uh, if you've been following social media, Bray Wyatt has uh, commented on Seth Rollins' post um, when Seth Rollins was on Stone Cold's podcast about how he wanted to strangle Vince McMahon, he was so angry about something, and and I'm paraphrasing here, but uh, Bray basically chimes in, you know, all you you're going to have to hear what I have to say, and Bray also made a comment on social media, you will hear what I have to say very very soon. Now, take all that in consideration. Bray Wyatt did have a 90 day no compete clause. However, there was an additional clause inside Bray Wyatt's, Bray Wyatt's contract that would be he could forego the 90 day compete no compete clause and uh, forego the money that he was going to be receiving during that 90 day, and he could immediately go to work for somebody else. Obviously, the payments from WWE would at that point halt. Um, I guess it depends on where you are financially. If you're in a good financial place, obviously, hey, roll the dice and go ahead and say I'll waive the 90 day. Many people believe that he will debut. Um, I believe AEW is going to be in Rochester uh, tomorrow night. So with that being said, there is a lot of belief that Bray Wyatt will debut. Um, whether or not that happens, I have no idea. I have no inside information whatsoever. You guys wouldn't believe how many people actually DM me and ask me questions. Like, well, you know, Jerry, you're friends with Jerry. Jerry, let me, let me. Put, make something per perfectly clear. Jerry and I do not talk AEW. But whether you want to believe me or you don't, we don't. We talk about a lot of different things. Um, he's been very interested in my um, process in graduate school, getting to become a teacher. We talk about that. We talk about world events. We rarely talk about wrestling. Why? Because most people don't want to talk shop when they're hanging out or talking with their friends. They like to talk about something else. Um, so that's why. So I have never tipped off. I have no information. And I think when you're friends with somebody and they are in a situation and you're in a situation being a friend of theirs, you don't want to put somebody in that place. Like, Hey, by the way, what's, what's going on with this? No, you don't want to do that. Um, but do you actually reply to his messages. <laughs> I'm just asking no. for a friend. For a, no? <laughs> for a friend. Um, I do the very best I can, and I will I will leave it at that. Um, so Bray Wyatt, AEW, potentially debuting. Maybe, maybe not. Um, there's been some uh, rumors going around in different Reddits that I've been keeping up with that he would be the one who brings the Dark Order back together. There would be a tie with Brody Lee, therefore blah, blah, blah. Um I don't know. I don't know if that would be a good idea, a bad idea, uh, a terrible idea. I'm not sure. But right now, there is discussion about whether or not he would appear on AEW. There's also been rumor he might sign with Impact Wrestling. At this point, it doesn't really matter if you sign with Impact or AEW. Your chances of being on Dynamite, there's still a good chance if you're a big name. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of irrelevant. So I'm going to first throw it to Savage. Uh, what's your take, or I should say uh, Hyman? Um, what's Buster, your take, Buster Hyman? Buster Hyman. Uh, Bray Wyatt. Do you think Bray Wyatt should come back at all? Period. That'd be the first question. The second question would be: um, Would it bother you if he went to AEW? Uh, first 
question. He should come back. He's a big name. He's uh, got a lot of popularity. Uh, yeah, I don't see why he wouldn't come back as long as he's 100% committed to doing it and everything's going good in his world. Sure. Uh, second question, would I be upset if he came to AEW? I don't. I try not to get emotionally invested in this stuff anymore. I wouldn't be upset. However, you've heard the term jump the shark. If he went into AEW... That's the moment AEW drunks, drunks jumps the shark. Have another beer, Liam. The, the, I was going to say, yeah. yeah. If only had two beers. Beer. Beer. Yep. If only had two beers. Um, that would be the moment that they jumped the shark. And it's not that they couldn't use him. It's not that they wouldn't use him right or anything like that. It's the fact that they have way too many people right now. And they, I, I don't see how they could possibly fit him in more than a few weeks of storyline. Oh, he takes over the Dark Order. How predictable. Okay? That would be saddling him with something that's just a rehash of his former character, which is, you know, like, okay, yeah, I guess it'd be alright, and there's a tie to Brody Lee and all that, we get it, but it's like, you know, it's a little typical. So, it was like it was like Adam Cole going with the, with the Elite and all that. It's like, you know, they could have gone a completely different way. They went with what, you know, was expected, I guess. And it was like, eh, okay, whatever. But, um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, he'd be an asset there, but you don't want to... I don't know. It's like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. If they bring him in, then it's going to be, oh, wow, they, they got the last piece of the free agent WWE puzzle that they needed. And you know, great, and if they don't bring him in, people are going to be upset, and then if they bring him in, and there's detractors, they're going to say, oh, well, look, you're just taking WWE's craps, you know, and it's like, you can't win, so, you know, he he's a great character, bring him back somewhere, it doesn't matter at this point, like, a, Dan, if you do, Dan, if you don't. Let's go ahead and let's throw it to uh, Anton. Anton, um, we obviously talk a lot about WWE 2.0, WWE Lite. I mean, those are phrases that are very synonymous anytime one promotion grabs a bunch of wrestlers from somebody else. However, here's something to think about. And, and, and this kind of piggybacks off of Liam's comment as far as, you know, maybe table scraps or, or their, their rejects or whatever. First of all, at what point is somebody – a table, I don't think Liam's a table scrap. I'm just throwing this phrase out there. What makes them that before they go to another company? What happens if they were just hot and they had personal problems or whatever, and then they go to another promotion? Meaning it wasn't like he was beat like a dog. He was drugged through the mud. He was just garbage before he signed on with another company. He was basically just off TV for a, a period of time. Is there anything necessarily wrong with that? I mean, I feel like sometimes we almost give a lot of shade or throw a lot of shade to people who went from WWE to AEW because it's the trendy thing. It's interesting because, okay, so based on the scraps comment, Macho Man could be looked at as scraps by WCW back in the day because at that current point in time, he was in case of emergency break glass. I'm an announcer. You know, according to him, not by choice, according to other people, by choice. So whatever, this is a very unique situation in so many ways. I 
pretty much agree with Liam's comment. Damned if you do, damned if you fucking don't. Uh, it's, you know, and the Happy Days reference of jumping the shark. Uh, yeah, I think this would slightly be that in a few ways. And it's just because they have had so many people just boom, 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 boom. Give it a fucking minute to breathe. And preferably don't put him with the Dark Order because that's the predictable thing to fucking do. Let him just be him. Thank you. Do you think it was too predictable to put Adam Cole with the Elite? No. Like, I like the swerve-ish. Like, don't think he's going to do it. And then he does it. Like, you know, it just to where he was beforehand. I'm more okay with that because that makes sense. And especially if they want to use him as a heel, you know, because weighing out the options of, you know, their baby faces versus their heels. It's, while that was predictable, it's at least full-on logical and more can be done with it versus doing the Dark Order thing, which if they did right away is just hot-shotting it and not being creative versus if they wanted to work into that and it be a long-term thing, cool with, but it would need to be way more culty versus the weird shit Brody Lee was doing with the Vince McMahon shit. Makes sense. I like it. Uh, but what's your thoughts here? Um if you were a promoter and you had a healthy, focused, heads-on straight um, Bray Wyatt, Wyndham Rotunda, whatever you want to refer to him as, what would you do? Would you kick the tires and bring him in? Would you pass on him and say, well, Impact, Ring of Honor, whoever else, go ahead and go take him? Or what do you do? In a perfect world, he'll go to Impact. Uh, he can, once again, ton of talent. Guy can wrestle. Keep the Bray Wyatt gimmick to a certain extent. You don't want to be a complete ripoff. But that gimmick works. It's creepy as shit. It's entertaining. It's good. If he goes to Impact, where they have the relationship with AEW, he can do some crossover. I don't want to see him every week. I have no desire to see that. We're already teetering on WWE Lite, WCW 2.0, whatever the hell you want to call it. So I don't want to see him go to AEW. Even though I like Bray Wyatt, it's just not the right uh, just not the right move, uh, for lack of better words, for AEW. They can't keep bringing all these guys in their cast-offs from WWE. Yeah, their names, and a lot of them are good talents that never got used properly. In WWE, I think we'll all agree on a fair number of these guys were used properly. But you you can't do that because you'll always make yourself look like you're playing second fiddle, your second best M. We take their leftovers, their cast-offs, their misfits, their trash. Well, let's think about they this for a second, that. though. Just, okay, let, let, let me pose this. I kind of mentioned this when I talked to um, Anton about this. Are we conditioned to believe that if WWE releases you, your main run is done for whatever reason, your main run is done because if they say you are eh, table scraps, then basically that's kind of what society is calling you because if you're not in the major leagues, which is what they really consider themselves, everybody else is just, eh, you know what, we don't need you anymore. Do you get diminished or demoted in the form of the wrestling eye if you don't work for WWE? No, that's wrong. Not at all. It just, if you keep going with 
WWE got rid of this guy or girl, released them, let their contract expire, whatever it be, and we picked them up, you're always going to come off as we can't develop anything on our own. We just keep picking up the trash that they have let go because they didn't care enough to resign them or to push them. So so the wrestling society does see them as being discarded, so they are basically... No, I don't think it makes them second rate. It's not that. It's just you're always going to want to be... You're always just going to scoop up whatever WWE has cast aside. But what happens and, if and that they're won't really work. good talent? I mean, if they're really good talent, don't you can't think that everybody. It, it would be... No, no, you can't they, have everybody. AEW has already got too many people. I'm they're not this Right now. I'm not, have, I'm not disagreeing with you on that. They I'm, can get rid of half of their talent that they have right now and still be just as good, maybe even better, because you're not as diluted, and carry on. But if they just keep picking up WWE, whatever it would be, former WWE talent, they're always just going to be WWE lights. So you need to develop your MJFs. Your page, you Jungle know, Boy. Jungle Boy, yeah, Luchasaurus to a lesser extent. He is a WWE kind of guy. He was in NXT, know, Florida, or he was in NXT. I know he's in the minors. So yeah, Jungle Boy. They need to develop those people. Have your mix of established WWE, former WWE talent. A okay, that's perfect, but. The core of your roster cannot be former WWE talent because what does that say? These people aren't in WWE. We'll take them because we're second best. So that's if, foolish. If Kevin Steen decides that he's not going to resign and he wants, he personally makes it well known that he would like to go there. Mm-hmm. I mean, a Kevin Owens would be somebody, or a Kevin Steen would definitely be quite a grab for anyone. That, that goes right back to my statement, though. Dan, if you do, Dan, if you don't. Go ahead, bud. Right. No, I mean, if Kevin Steen comes in, Kevin Owens, whatever, absolutely, he's a ton of talent. But at what point do you separate yourself from WWE? Do you want to be the WWE minor leagues, the, the American Hockey League of Wrestling? Well, or I mean, do you he, want to compete with him? Do you want to be at the WHL back he, when it was you guys? He, he was no a big deal in Ring of Honor as well. He was a big deal in Ring of Honor as well. I mean, you got to think about this. A lot of these guys, <laughs> yeah, but were he was a big deal in Ring of Honor. But how many times do you watch Ring of Ring of Honor on TV? I can watch Kevin Owens on TV every week. If on WWE, well, if they put on fair. But you know what I mean? That's your pinnacle right now in the wrestling industry, whether we like it or we lump it, is WWE. That's that's facts. Is it the best wrestling? We can argue that, but your pinnacle is WWE. That's what everybody wants to be. That's what everybody wants to beat. Well, as far as wanting to be, Mick Foley may say something different. Uh, it may <laughs> not be the pinnacle of what every person who buys their first pair of boots and goes to a training school wants to become. I think that 
just like they said this a long time ago, Michigan football, um, the Wolverines, which were big, Michigan football ain't Michigan football anymore. Notre Dame is not Notre Dame anymore, meaning we're moving off of memories of the past of what what a product or a commodity used to be. And it's just not quite that same way. We have fond memories, but our memories seem to be lasting longer than what the current product is actually providing for us. Now, by the way, right now, I don't like the guy, but uh, Notre Dame football is actually doing pretty well under Brian Kelly. I think still, I think he's scum of the earth, but um, that's all different together. But half your panels, Canadian, we don't give a fuck about college football. You can, you can put it to us like, oh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and then it makes sense. I, I, you know what I'm going to start doing? I'm going to start trying to do a little research and finding out how I can make it more relatable. More uh, Canadian? Oh, will you? Yes. Yeah. I will. I, will. <laughs> I don't believe that for a minute, but okay. I don't the either. Mon- but... The, the Mon- Montreal Expos, right? Yeah. Uh, you almost you got it. You mean the yeah. Washington Nationals? Yeah. Well, yeah, but the Montreal Expos. I, I know some Canadian sports teams. No, you don't. Name five. Canadian no, sports teams? Yeah, entertain me. Do five. Um, bonus I guess points we, if he gets CFL. Bonus the, points. The Edmonton Jokers. Oilers. Okay. Um, I will throw another sports team, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Wow. Oh, good call. Um, I will say, and I'm going to say this wrong, the Calgary Flame. Flames, close With enough. Plural, close enough. yes. Um, obviously, the aforementioned Montreal Expos. Okay. One more. Um, let me think here. Um, I mentioned one. I have one. The two biggest ones you're missing. Um, okay, obviously you got the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah. yeah okay, there you go. The uh, the Maple Leaves. Yes. The, the Canadiens. Wow. Um, I was going to say the Calgary Hitmen. There yeah. you go. Very Western good. Western League. Good call. Yeah. Very um, good. I'm trying to at, think of it, another CFL. Old school Bret Hart. At, <laughs> he, he used to be owner one time, obviously. Yeah. He's not anymore. Oh. Yeah. That's and But St- Stampede that's Wrestling. Like, while I know a bunch of these other ones. Stampede <laughs> Wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> well, they got the Calgary Stampeders, so that's a start. Team Canada so. and TNA. Yeah, they were good. <laughs> <laughs> Vancouver Grizzlies. Very good. Thank you, The big A1. Yeah, great. Eric Young. Okay. Not to go outside. At one time, the CFL, that's Canadian Football League, had two teams called the Rough Riders. Yep. There was only like nine teams in the whole league. Two were called the Rough Riders. And one of the best parts is the Ottawa Rough Riders, one year, with their first overall pick, drafted a dead guy. Oh, okay. Hold what on. The fuck, dude. How? <laughs> Why? You have, I... you have fucking questions to answer. Well, that ranks right up there uh, with the UWF when Herb Abrams had his press conference. Oh, with Brody Lee. Uh, when he announced that Brody yeah, Lee was going to be a part of the roster. Brody. Bruce Brody. Brody. Yeah, Bruce yeah. Brody. And okay. Jack, what? Okay. Uh, which, which Blackjack? Mulligan. He was yeah, uh, when incarcerated. He was in jail. Yeah. Was in jail. Yeah. 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 What about and and I just thought about this because I thought of PCO and I love PCO. Um, is there a team called the Al- Alouettes? Montreal. Yep. Montreal. The Alouettes. Um, you know what the 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 team that was uh, the Rough Riders, the secondary Rough Riders, 
They have an even worse name now, and they're called the Red Blacks. The Ottawa what, Red is, Blacks. what is a Red Black? Is it a bird? I don't know. You Nobody don't know. knows. And the it's last thing, I, stupid. The last thing I will say because I did hear some college football players played for the Argonauts. Toronto. Toronto. Yep. yep. There we go. That's all I got. Good job, Freeland. That's much more impressive than I thought. A lot better than the Great Lakes. <laughs> yeah, most, most people around here don't give a fuck about the CFL anyway, so who cares? No. Guys, it has Good been football. it has been a great episode. Once again, we do appreciate everybody tuning in this week. And every single week you guys tune in and you join in the conversation. We appreciate it. Thank you, ECW fan. Thank you, Jack Game Time Lord. Thank you, Boog. Uh, who else jumped in here? Who else jumped in here? Mitchie Blaze, thank you so much for jumping in as well. Travis um, is here. Yes, Travis Bohab, thank you very much for jumping in as well. And for all of you who may be watching and you didn't quite jump into the chat, that's okay too. As long as we were able to entertain you for a couple hours each and every week, that's the main thing that matters to us. Um, we had a great couple of interviews uh, tonight. If you did not get a chance to catch them, it will go on demand as soon as we go off the air tonight. And the audio version of the podcast will be available this Friday. I also am going to be dropping the next chapter in the Sabu book, which is going to be really interesting. We're going to be talking about his training and what it was like uh, training with his uncle, the original Sheik. Um, which you may or may not know that Sabu actually spent time being a part-time lumberjack. We'll be talking about that in this chapter. We'll also be talking Ooh. about setting up and taking down rings. Oh, my gosh. Sabu didn't care very much about that. And in Chapter 3, there's going to be a little bit of karma that happens as well. So all of that is going to be released as well this week. So you're getting a double dose of Furrow Material uh, Productions, which is going to be Chapter 3, Sabu, and obviously tonight's episode. Um, if you enjoy what we are doing, please, by all means, follow us on social media. Follow us at uh, FRM Podcast on Twitter. You can follow me. I am at Mike Freeland. You can follow the writ at writ underscore T underscore writ underscore. I don't know because I don't sure. care. It's shitty. Uh, he needs to come up with a better handle. But let's go ahead and let's plug these guys. But if people would like to follow you, uh, how can people follow you? Um, and what is your Twitter handle and all that good stuff? Yeah, you can follow me at gotnoof2291 on Twitter. Well, if you want to give me a follow, do that. You want to talk about whatever you want to talk about. I'm good like that. Uh, be good to each other. Stay safe. I Stay like in the it. green zone. And hey, good on you, Liam. You didn't freak out tonight. I was just about to say, Liam. Liam was on his best behavior. He didn't get I'm on sorry. the click chart. I'm sorry. Try harder he, next time. He's apologizing for actually behaving. Let's throw it I'm on sorry. over to Anton. Anton, what's going on? What projects are you working on? What services do you offer, and how can people get a hold of you if they'd like to uh, talk to you about your services? I feel rotten at Gmail. I feel uh, Anton Heidnick at Gmail. I feel rotten on Instagram and Anton Heidnick on Twitter. I reply eventually to all of the above. <laughs> and But uh, mixing several things for my buddy, mastering things, working on a theme song for an independent wrestler that I've known since he was like 17. Nice. And uh, going to be a collaboration between me and my one buddy I'm doing all this shit for. We're going to just knock it out together. I'm going to produce it, make the beat, engineer it. He's going to write, record it. And between us, we're going to give this guy a theme song. And all that shit, and then lots of shit going on in my personal life that's awesome. Um, here, as always, if you need me, you know where to find me. So, so you're basically telling me if you're, if you're a pro wrestler and you need entrance music, uh, they can reach out to you and go ahead and start collabing, right? Yep. 
Yes, you can. That's something, you know, I understand how music is important to wrestling and a character and a gimmick. You give me promos and match work and let me see some shit between me and my one buddy. Well, he's not a wrestling fan. He's a hell of a rapper and a fucking, you know, MC. So can you help you get some shit done that you own and can use everywhere versus using copyrighted bullshit at a pretty fair rate, as well as mix and master music, make beats, help you with website shit, do video editing and things of that nature, as you've seen from this podcast. Yeah, commercial voiceovers. I'm also working on some of that for y'all. I do all kinds of shit. <laughs> you do. I need you. a theme song. We need I, a theme song okay. for. Send me some we, stuff we... as an idea. Yeah. Oh boy. Send you me some it. stuff as an idea. Uh, Buster Hyman, please tell everybody where they can follow you. What's all your information? What are some new things that you're uploading to your YouTube channel? All the good details. Uh, first off. Fuck you, Mikey Starks and Mitchie Blaze. You're not proud of me. You can go fuck yourselves. And uh, Anton, your hat's crooked, so go fuck yourself. Okay, is that better? Much better. This is wow. Got it now, in by the end of the I would show. say yellow. I would say yellow. No, now it feels like a regular bad. Tuesday. The world is back in order. Yeah, go fuck yourself. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, let's see. Um, all right. YouTube, uh, let's plug FRM on YouTube. Uh, I'm, if, in case anybody doesn't know, I'm the one uploading the videos and descriptions and all that stuff. So uh, please go over to our YouTube channel. Uh, we're trying to, you know, get the 100 followers. If we can, that would be a great accomplishment. Maybe something will happen. Maybe not. Who knows? We'll see. So follow us on there. Go to Front Row Material. Just put that in the search bar. Um, as for me, you can find me on Twitter uh it's savage liam one or savage liam i don't fucking know and on uh instagram savage liam 1978 i think i don't fucking know and on my youtube channel just search liam savage i tried to put a few things up that were wrestling related and i did put a few things up uh one of the things i promised which was that uh clip from that stupid fucking canadian tv show or variety TV talk show bullshit. Um, it didn't end up making it on because it had a 20 second clip of Bret Hart. So of course WWE flagged it and they said you can't put it up. So I'm going to try to find a way around that. It's the one that had uh, Edge on there when he wasn't even a wrestler yet. So that was kind of interesting. But fuck it, fuck my life. And uh, there you go. So um, yeah, fuck it. When Back are you going to add some country music to your YouTube channel? Why would I? Because it's good music. In what world? This one. <laughs> yeah, yours. Yes, yes. If it's hey, if if it's like seventies and below, sure. If it's like the current stuff, where it's like fucking my dog and drinking whiskey in the back of my pickup truck, then I don't want to hear it. I'm sorry. First of all, God damn it. That is, so- that, that is sodomy, and that is not permitted anywhere. Uh, wow. That's also bestiality as well, but it is bestiality is allowed in uh, Canada. It's not. It's Where allowed. Where the hell did you find that? It's allowed <laughs> as long as there's consent. What? As consent? long as there's, as long as there's <laughs> consent from the animal, bestiality Are is allowed. Are you fucked? Are you fucked? Well, no, I'm not the one dog. doing it, but yeah, the dog may. Neither am I. I sang this fucking lyric. God damn it, Mike Freeland. Holy shit, dude. 
Oh, yeah, just thought I would throw that out okay. there. Okay. I'm not saying anybody. I'm not saying anybody should rub peanut butter on themselves and in, in, in whatever with uh, a schnauzer. But I'm just saying, at the end of the day, with a I, schnauzer. That's a little specific. That's if it's your dog, it's okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, much better. Neighbor's dog, that's but you, you can't do that with a Yeah, that's there. wrong. They got cl- little claws. With the neighbor's dog, that's wrong. With your dog, hey, A-okay. Go right <laughs> ahead. You We're it. fucking canceled. Thank you very much, guys. Holy it took, shit. It took this long? Yeah, I know, but still. Yeah, Holy what, what, would, what would casting couch be if it was with animals? I don't want to know. Oh. I really don't want to know. And the fact Casting that you're even burn. like got this on your brain is really fucking scary. It would be like would it be like Animal Shack or Animal Couch? Animal maybe? Shack? That's actually pretty funny. Animal oh, Shack. Oh fuck me. Thank you, man. Animal House, but yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. That's trade. Yeah, John Belushi like, fucking a dog. Yeah, great. Okay. They they'd probably they'd probably flag that too. <sighs> oh, uh, no, that that that'd be fine. Farmsex.com, yeah, just let it go. And with that being said, the the oh, wow, he's if you could see Butt's eyes right now, they are large as golf balls. He's like they're lost. He it's they're vacant right now. They're like, I'm out of here. I don't know what I'm doing on here anymore. I'm ruining my happen? life. How did this yep. even happen? Oh god. At what point did I lower god myself to doing this on Tuesday nights? Yep. Alright, guys. For my two good friends in Canada, for the butt, for uh, Antine Heidnick and for my other good friend in Canada, Buster Hyman, aka Liam Savage. Also for Jerry Lynn, Mikey Whiprick, and the probably sleeping at this point, uh, Rit, uh, Josh Ritter. I am Mike Freeland. We will catch you next week. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week on Furrow Material. <laughs>